Wrestling. Cross the line. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Wrestling Ring on the Comic Wrestling Podcast. Season 2. The Season 2 premiere. Dos! How did we last this long? Uh, I don't know. I'm not really a long-lasting kind of guy, so it's just... <laughs> that says a lot about you that I didn't need to know about. I says a lot about me that not many people need to know <laughs> about. Season 2, as it says right on the back of the laptop, season we're two. professional. So you, know. you can see it. Um, and today, we are going to talk about TNA Wrestling. Not this crap that's on now with Tessa Blanchard as the heavyweight champion. Well, that's why I have my sign that says TNA Wrestling. I know Impact is what it's called now, and Impact was good when it first, you know, tried to transition into that, but now it's just, I don't, I don't and, ever want to talk and about I it. I don't have Axis TV, so I ain't going to watch it anyways, but. Yeah, I don't really care. Um, I hope people can hear the music that's playing, because it's cross the line <laughs> TNA music. And they had some good music, too. Even it's their entrance themes. Well, not at the beginning. The beginning stuff was horrible, well, but. The only problem I have with their music at, over time was it was all the same. Yeah, because the same guy was singing it all the time. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I'll turn that down. But I wanted to talk a little bit about what was going on at the time. It was 2002. Um, WWE was really the only thing going in June of 2002. People say, oh, well, Ring of Honor, they were glorified indie in 2002. Well, before we get into it, we have, uh, what is it, the TNA 10-year anniversary DVD yep. thing uh, going. So just to kind of pick off of that, pick from the notes. Yeah, it's the TNA episode. I'm kind of, I'm kind of yeah. looking forward to this. Other than CTWE, one of my favorite promotions. Yeah, I, I would definitely TNA. have to say so. Um, I wish I'd gotten into it like when it first. I didn't even get into it from... when it first started. I didn't really get into it till oh five oh six. So man, I was like a year or two later after that was when I got into it. <laughs> I don't know if that was still loud or not. I have no idea. But it started in June of 2002. Jeff Jarrett started it with his father Jerry, which actually doesn't get talked about a lot. Well, you know, <laughs> you put the you put the wrestler in the wrestling ring, and you know it's chicken salad. I wonder if they had chicken salad in the catering room. They they had to have. <laughs> if not, someone was getting fired. But but uh, Austin had just left WWE. Brock Lesnar had just started, and Cena hadn't even debuted yet when TNA started. Right. That's crazy to think about. That, that TNA was around longer than John Cena. Which, And then you had, like, TNA, the six-sided ring, which was I different. I really liked the six-sided ring. Weekly pay-per-views for $9.99. Who, I, I don't know who even thought of that. Uh, the network of WWE. <laughs> but it just... It, we're not going to do a TV deal. We're just going to do pay-per-views for nine ninety nine a week. That you know, that's that's crazy to think about that you could start a company like that. That is pretty cool. But they capitalized cool. on the NWA, which was an established name, which is a really good idea. To do you start think it's an established name still? Well, they are redoing do it. Do you think it's established? Not, though? not really. I mean, they're trying to bring it back. What do you think is the biggest flaw in the new NWA? That they don't have a TV deal, that they're just doing it on YouTube. Yeah. Like, if you're going to go that far with it to do the studio show and all that, you tell me you can't find some network somewhere that's not going to take that. Right, because if Impact can get on something. Yeah, to, I mean, any network, it, even if you can just get on a bad time slot still, right. to get it out on broadcast TV is a lot better than trying to do it on YouTube. You're not exactly. going to make any money at it on YouTube. 
At least with the weekly pay-per-view concept, you're making money. That's true. You know, at you're least at least ten. Yeah, I mean, it might be only offsetting your costs, but at least you're still you're, getting your brand. And you're out getting there. it out there. Yep. Exactly, you're getting that exposure. Because I mean, all the things that came out of TNA, like vi the video game we've talked about before, they had action figures, their own trading cards. I still can't believe they never had a magazine. Yeah, that just blows my mind that there was no Impact magazine. But the trading cards, you couldn't. You couldn't buy those. Like they were just flying off the shelves. Like you, you they were so popular. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I used to buy them all the time. But then again, you used to, you get a good value with them too because you got autographs and relics and all that guaranteed. stuff. They always had guaranteed hits in those boxes. Guaranteed. So. It wasn't like, well, for me, it wasn't like a WWE one. I get a WWE box and I get, I don't even know Johnny Jeter's autograph or some <laughs> something like that. Like we're TNA, like. You get some pretty good things out of those. Yeah, boxes. you used to get like two autographs and a relic card in each box. Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. sweet. And their DVDs were distributed in every store. Oh they got yeah, a major distribution deal, which was crazy at the time for a, a company like DVDs. that. Um, but June nineteenth, two thousand two, Ken Shamrock becomes their first champion. Out of left field, just completely. You know, you would think Jarrett would have gotten it. Which, right, just because. Yeah, it or is, like Buff Bagwell or Scott Hall, one of the WCW guys. In but. my mind, though, it was, I don't even know if it makes sense, but to legitimize it, like, oh, look, our first ever champion is a UFC world, yeah. you know, fighter. But even he wasn't really that relevant at the time. No, either. either. No, for exactly. Two years, you know? so it, it's not like he, in WWF either, he really became... Yeah. I mean, he was a big name if you've watched wrestling, but it wasn't like... He should have been world champion. He really should The way have. they built him up and the way he was, yeah. He really should have. And now, you know, he's relevant again. Yeah. So, and where, where is he now? <laughs> right back in Impact. Yep. So. It's, it's weird. It, it really is. is. Um, Don West and Mike Tanay and Ed Ferrara as the broadcast yep. team. Ed Ferrara with the dreadlocks. With the dreadlocks, shit. yeah. I'm glad so he didn't ridiculous. last long because it was he was horrible. Yeah. And everybody hates on Don West. I like Don, Don West. West a lot. He had so much energy. He he was a little awkward at first, but once he got into it and he got into it with Tanay, they were a damn good team. And I opinion. enjoyed them a lot myself. I really did. Don uh, West. He knew the product and he he was really good at getting the story over. Mm -hmm. Tanay was good at calling the moves. But West was really good at getting the story over. I yeah, thought. he was. He had the emotion behind it. I really liked tonight or uh, Don West. Now, where did he come from? Did he? Have... He was. He did TV commercials for like selling trading cards and shit. Like he was, you know, like the who's the guy that did the like, Billy West or Bob? I don't know even know the guy that did like the the Sham Wow commercials and all that stuff. Oh, he was kind of um... like that. He did infomercials for trading cards and shit. I can't think of the guy's name. And it... it's not Billy West. <laughs> no. Folks, you're gonna have to hold on. We're gonna we're we're gonna sit here for a minute to figure out who this guy is. <laughs> I forget who the fuck his name yeah. was. But it was Billy he, Mays. Yeah, Billy. Yeah, Billy Mays. Yep. There we go. But that's what he was. He just hawked stuff on TV, and they found him. And I mean, He's he was. You could tell he was a huge wrestling fan. So that's cool, though. yeah. Um, I think what separated the company from the beginning was the X division. That. Um. You had the cruiserweights before, but this was mixing some of the heavyweights in with the, the smaller right. guys. AJ Styles is the first champ, which you could have gone with Jerry Lynn, the established name, but you didn't. You went with AJ Styles. I think that company was really good at starting out younger guys and giving them something. That company created so many guys that WWE wished they could have got their hands on sooner just so they could have turned a profit on them themselves. And they did things with guys that WWE did nothing with. Exactly. Like Ron Killings. 
He became a two-time NWA champ. Yep. He did the three live crew with Conan and Christian. Yep. You got you got to acknowledge Christian becoming a world heavy going over there and that, coming. I I never thought he had that range. The way the way he he blossomed in TNA, the the yep. Christian's coalition with Tomko and AJ, and then you got a different dichotomy with AJ being kind of like the goofy character and Christian being the and serious. Tomko is fucking right, a goofy mix between the two yeah. of them, feuding with Jarrett and. Marcus Corvon, or I mean, <laughs> Monty, Monty Brown. Brown. Who was? I I can't believe they didn't make him world champ. Monty oh, Brown has it was so good. His matches were crisp, and I guess it's the black guy thing. No matter what company you're in, it's kind of the black guy thing. I mean, Ron Killings got it, but that was really before TNA got popular. They brought in Lashley in 2009. He never got it, and you think he was the guy, one of the guys they would push. I'm trying to think, there really hasn't been any black TNA champions, has there? Other than Killings in like 03 and 04. I, I can't think of one. They brought in Moose and he never became champ. Hmm. It's really weird to think about that. Like, it's not just WWE, it's other companies too. Yeah, but WWE's been around longer than they did it for a longer <laughs> period. So I, I loved seeing Jerry Lynn in it when I first started watching it. Because it, I knew what kind of matches he could put on. Right. And then you put him in with like low key. And Kid Cash, Elix which they Skipper. had a great match. Yeah, Elix Skipper. I, I, I never understood why he never got a look anywhere, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he did some stuff in TNA with, like, Triple X. He had that huge, um, the the Six Sides of Steel, the first time they did Six Sides of Steel, when he walked the when top he walked of the cage. The top and did, cage and then did the, what, Hurricane Hurricane Rana. Rana, yeah. On America's Most Wanted, who was a great friggin' yep. tag team. I. They, they carried a lot of that company with the tag division with America's Most Wanted. They carried, in my opinion, they carried that company on a lot of chances. Taking chances in those types of guys that weren't your typical run-of-the-mill, like, WWF, WWE-looking characters. Yeah. Um, look at what they did with Nash. They didn't do a fucking thing with Nash other than putting him with... The X Division guys. And what did that do for the X Division guys? Gave them personalities. Them right up. Oh, exactly. You go to Black like, Machismo. Even even Sanjay Dutt as the guru, it gave him something to work with. Yup, you had Alex Shelley as like the little camera guy for him and stuff. And it just and then those guys, you were interested in them enough to when Chris Sabin and Alex Shelley became the Motor City Machine Guns, it was like, oh man, yes, absolutely. Yep, and them doing the goofy shit with Nash led into the Motor City yep. Machine Guns. Yep. It just was they took a lot of chances on things that shouldn't have worked. Bringing in Bob Backlund to feud with to the Motor City Machine Guns. Yep. Who the fuck would think that that would work? Yeah, it, they did a lot of cool things. And I really, I mean, probably jumping the gun, but when it got... No, is this a pay-per-view? Yeah. But they showed they showed all kinds of stuff. Is that how the, they did it? Like, yeah. their 10-year DVD set wasn't just, like, a chronicling of shit? No. It was a pay-per-view? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Well, there's another one, Samoa Joe, they gave a chance to and ran with. Well, he started was him in the X Division. Notch in Ring of Honor. He was yeah. killer. But, I mean, really, if you didn't watch Ring of Honor, you had no fucking clue who he right? was. No, any of the yeah. guys. Even Abyss. But the way they brought him in and just made him a monster at the beginning. Yep. You know, the way WWE should have done Braun Strowman at the beginning, just made him a fucking monster. Yep. You know, it. You know, and it kind of sours me because... Not so much that I care that Samoa Joe is in WWE. It's cool. It's always cool to see when different guys from different companies that, oh, I never would have thought, switch over. But it's 
it sours me to know that it's more towards the end of his career. Yeah, and you're you're happy to know that he's making really good money at this point, you know, and but but I would love to have seen Prime Samoa Joe in WWE. Oh yeah, even against a Prime Cena. Yeah, that would have been fun. Now I'll be honest, I was never high on this guy. Austin Aries, never. I, li I like his in-ring work, but you can just tell the way he carries himself. He thinks he's the greatest fucking thing ever. Which, yeah, and it's not. I honestly, when he got released from WWE, I had to say to myself, he was in the WWE? Yeah. Yep. Because he was in NXT, and then he did 205 Live, and I think he's one of those guys like Punk that just rubs people the wrong way because he's so outspoken. Yep. And at some point, you got to realize that that's not getting you anywhere. No. Punk, Punk was high up enough where he could get away with it. And this guy is a pipsqueak. Oh, yeah. He was never... I mean, TNA made him a main event guy for a while, but... How long I, did it take, though? Yeah, exactly. Yep. It took quite a while for him to get released at least two times or so. Yeah. And then to come back and have be this one. Or this version, I mean. I think when I first started watching it was when I found out that Jeff Hardy had jumped. Oh, yeah? Yep, in 2004. I was like, that... Because I had heard about the company. I'd watched a couple of the, the weekly pay-per-views. But it looked... Because they were doing it from the asylum. So it looked kind of indie wrestling. Until they got into the, the impact zone where it looked polished. Right, it looked you know, like it was more put together. Yep, and then they started doing the monthly pay-per-views, and they started bringing in, like, Diamond Dallas Page and stuff like that to really... And then you saw Jeff Hardy, and they did the, the lockdown pay-per-view, which the first time they did it where it was all in the steel cage, it was novel, so it was, it was good. But once they started doing it every year with every match being in the every, steel cage... Yeah. It, it kind of lost lost its luster because you had to figure out gimmicks just to make just to a make cage match mean something. Match. Exactly. They yeah, did that electrified so one with you know LAX and Team 3D, which was horrible because it wasn't really electrified, and you could tell. You could and tell. It was, yeah, that's another thing. Team 3D jumping. I yeah. I didn't expect that at all. Yeah, especially after they were there for one night stand. Yep. And then it was just TNA. And I think they did some of their best stuff in TNA. I was. I was really happy when they jumped to TNA because that's when I first started watching it. So literally what hooked me into it, and we've t I've said this to you before, was Rhino going yeah. James Storms through the, the entranceway. As soon as I saw that, I was like, well, all right, yeah, sure, I'll watch this because it was right on Spike TV at that time. It was hot. And Team 3D ju had just come in. I don't know if they'd just come in at that time, but it was they were fresh still. Yep. And it was cool because I was like, oh, man, like, I've never really heard of this wrestling company. Like, Rhino, of course, ECW, I've, watched, I've heard of him. And then, you know, the Dudley boys, I was like, holy shit, my favorite tag team is in this place? Like, I'll watch it just for these guys. And then it just grew. Yeah. It just grew from there. And and they let Bubba talk a lot, and he wasn't doing the Dudleys. The Dudleys. He, was, he was him. Mm -hmm. You know, and Devon didn't talk much, but when he did, it meant something. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. It really was. And that tag division was stacked. You had... Team 3D, LAX, Daniels and, uh, and AJ Styles, which was a great team. Um, America's America. Most Wanted. Yep. You had the James Gang with, you know, BG James and Kip James. Yep. That was a huge yep. friggin' tag division. And yeah, even you throw, up. like, Machismo and Consequences Creed as lethal consequences. There, there, there was so many good tag there teams. There were a lot of tag teams that went through TNA that were pretty decent. The Steiners even and you know, reunited and had some great matches with Team yep. 3D. 
they they really concentrated on their storylines too, but they're it felt like some of the WWE ones were just throwaway. It seemed like in TNA every storyline meant something. Even yeah, with no, like that's true. With I, Eric I Young that. and Bobby Roode, that whole storyline. Every was... person from that group from Team Canada had like a meaningful storyline yep. that was like as soon as they broke up too, it wasn't yeah. it was immediate. It was really good. It really was good. I liked all of it. I really enjoyed that. Team 3D I think was a great or I mean sorry, uh, Team Canada was a great thing. It's amazing how the Canada thing still works. Yeah, as yeah. if we're at war with Canada, you know, it, or if we have ever been. Yeah, <laughs> it, it works no matter where you do it or how you yep. do it. The team, the Canada thing against America always it will works. always work exactly, and for some reason it'll never be offensive. Yeah, like I feel like now if you if you try to do like an Irene storyline <laughs> with an American soldier storyline, it'd be like, oh, that's that's a little bit too far. But you go out there and you start. You go to like a Canadian show and you scream "USA sucks," it's totally okay, or vice versa. It's yep. like, what the? Fuck? Yeah, there's no real animosity. It's just a patriotism thing, but right. it's, it's there's no malice in it. Well, there kind of was They're when Bret Hart did it, but the Team Canada, they were such good athletes. You really couldn't. I mean, you booed them because you were supposed to boo them, but I thought I I thought it was a great thing. And Scott Demore was a great mouthpiece yeah, for him. Yeah, I liked them. But they didn't just have him talk. Because Rude could talk and Petey Williams could talk, so they would always switch it up. So and I, I liked I how was... Petey Williams was always like just flexing in the background and shit. I just I really liked that dynamic because it it didn't feel like oh this is the NWO or oh this is DX or oh this is the Four Horsemen. It was like no, this is it's literally its own thing. You've never seen a group like that. Yep. And, and then, I liked that a lot. And then for Eric Young to come out of it and be so popular, being the coward and all that stuff and being afraid yep. of his own pyro, I think he's one of the true MVPs of that company. Oh, I do too. I really like it. The only, And it's not even a problem, but I don't know if it was bad timing or if it was good timing. It just didn't feel natural was when they gave EY the championship. Yeah. Only because it felt like it was piggybacking off of the success or the idea of Daniel Bryan. Yep, winning it. The underdog and the guy that represented, you know, the, the fans. Common and, man, yep. right? Yeah. Yep, I can understand. I liked that. it because I mean, I think it was just due. I really, really do. I think it was well deserved. Yeah. It just again, I don't, I don't know if it was bad timing or if they were like, oh, this is perfect timing to capitalize on this. It just was off to me, and it is unfortunate that WWE didn't do shit with him. Yeah. Yeah, the sanity thing could have run a long, long time. Especially when you were bringing the undisputed era in too, you could have mm -hmm. you could have done so much with that. Yeah, I don't even know if he's with them anymore. I think he might still be under contract, but he's not doing anything. That just sucks. Yeah. Um, I remember when Sting first they first started teasing Sting coming in, and I thought that I was like, no way. There's no way that he's gonna yeah. go to that company. He's gonna go to WWE where he's gonna make a shitload of money. And then I realized, oh well, wait a minute. There's less of a travel schedule. He hardly has to travel at all. But he lives right there. And they're going to pay him whatever he asks for a price because they know they need that big name. Well, they, they think they need that big name. And he was he was huge for that company. Oh, absolutely. Out, you know, 05, 06, until they brought in Angle, which the way they brought him in, headbutting Samoa, Samoa Joe. Joe was so, I remember watching that and just fucking shit in my pants with excitement. Because I'm a huge Kurt Angle fan and I'm a huge Samoa Joe fan. And that was just... When, when people, and it's in my head now because I know WWE's doing this special on their network called the 
Oh my god. Oh, the ruthless aggression. Yes. Yeah. And anytime you say those words, ruthless aggression, instantly, what do you think of? Cena slapping Kurt Angle. Cena slapping Angle. I think Angle took what Cena did and turned it up. Oh yeah. A fucking whole nother volume. Like that was just so badass. That moment was so badass. I remember watching the video packages of Angle sitting there in like the ring and saying he was coming or whatever the hell he was saying and shit. And it was just like this is like this is awesome. This is so fucking cool. And you weren't expecting the headbutt. No, you weren't. You know that they were face to face and you And you could tell it rocked Joe. Yeah. Oh my oh, god, yeah. it rattled him. Yep. But you expected, you know, like a shoving match or something. I never expected. Or even a just headbutt. like a face off, just, yeah. just pushing off into the face. But boom, like that fucking close, man. He's lucky he didn't like break his probably did break his nose. But I mean straight knock him out. Yeah. Imagine knocking him out right then and there and being like, Well, where do we go from here? Yeah. And that's the first time <laughs> that's the first time you saw jo Samoa Joe fire up too. Like oh, you've man. seen him as a badass and destroying people. That's, that's when he the first time foaming at the mouth. Yeah, and, and going nuts and you know, showing that I have pride in what I do and you yeah. know and they built it up where they really weren't touching. I mean, they were shoving, but they weren't wrestling each other I loved until that. that first match. I loved all. Of, I loved all of Angle and TNA. I really did. When he had, even when it was the stupid, like shoot wrestling matches, he would have all oh, that. I, I thought they, they were stupid, they were... but it was. It made sense. It's like, well, what else would this Olympic guy be doing yep. in a wrestling world other than having shit like this going on? And I know it was dumb. I really do, but it just, it it made more sense to have him do stuff like that than to have him goofing off with Edge and Christian. Oh, yeah. You know, just yeah. as a personality. Oh, yeah. But again, it was very dumb. It was, it was dumb. I think if they had done the shoot fight kind of feel in the first few matches, but once you had a track record of amazing matches with Joe and Angle, yeah, to go that route after all after that, after all of it, 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 it was a, it was a good match, but it wasn't what the fans wanted at that point. They wanted right. a tear down match with Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle. Yep, you know. And once the crowd started chanting "Fire Russo," stop doing those kind of matches stop at doing that point. Because yeah, exactly. they did it with AJ Styles and Frank Trigg, which I hated. Frank Trigg. I hated I him being part him. of the company. I forgot that. When they started bringing in these MMA guys like King Mo and Rampage, I liked. Rampage. I liked King Mo only because I know he is a fan, but I also know it now knowing it didn't it didn't amount to shit was the waste of time. It was a cash grab for him. Right. I mean, uh, he wanted to be part of it because he was a fan, but... But then that's where I draw the line. Yeah, that that's part. like the Adam Pac-Man Jones thing. Okay, he was a fan of TNA, right, but he came in, man. he you couldn't like wrestle. Russell. Because right. because the Patriots or whoever he was with, if he got they, injured, right? Yeah, exactly. they, he, and it was in his contract that he couldn't wrestle. So you, TNA wasted money to bring him in for a little bit of a headline, and then to make him a tag team champion. Yeah, at least at least Mike Tyson, you know, did something. He was a special referee, and he could do something. If they wanted him to do something physical, he could. Exactly. You know, but to bring Pac Man in to sell some T-shirts and to to get some buzz, and it, it was stupid. Yep. But Rampage being part of the main event mafia, I thought, I thought was that amazing. was great. I did. I just because I'm a big fan of him. When he first got into UFC, I was a huge fan of Rampage and just cross promotion. It made sense to me. I think if he was done with MMA, he would have done more. I do too. You know, I do too. The main event mafia. That's something I loved both incarnations. Yeah. of it. the original one is probably the better one, only because it's, it just was cool as fuck that they did that. 
and I, I, it gave Sting some range because he just a lot of the times he didn't have the face paint on. He had the suit, and that's what I mean. Like, yeah, you've got all these awesome people, but what what can you do with that character that isn't going to have people like what the hell? And to have a character like Sting be part of the main event mafia where he's he's n he's not the kid well in WCW he wasn't the character really known for talking yep so it kind of lets him be the cool calm collective dude and allows him to also still look like a badass without being just a normal looking guy and then you have Scott Steiner doing his weird ass fucking promos Kurt Angle coming into his own on promos Nash, Nash. could always do a funny one Booker T doing his weird fucking always weird. voices and shit but um, I, I I loved it, and and it was playing off of a real boo, <laughs> boo. Austin Aries just won the match, ladies and gentlemen. Ah! <laughs> but it played Ten off years ago. It, it played off of a real life backstage shit between Joe and Sting too. Yep. With Joe saying, "Hey, you're never here. You you don't work the house shows like we do." And then them going, well, fine, then. If you're going to say that we don't do anything, we're going to be the main event mafia and do whatever the fuck do we want. Do whatever we want, exactly. And it made sense, again, to, to characters. Because I like that. I like it when you when I can connect the dots and be like, okay, that makes sense. Having Kevin Nash be part of that. Not just because he's a veteran, but because he is that guy known for, like, wanting the money. Only wanting working what he wants to do. Like, it just, it made sense in that aspect. Like, I just, I really liked all that shit. The only thing I didn't like was, you could tell that Booker T was phoning it in at that point. Like, he just, he, he was just, I'm just going to do my goofy voice and mm -hmm. have a match and that's it. And it'll get over. The, the other guys were, were putting effort into it. I mean, Scott Steiner just had to do weird shit and do his weird promos. Probably because Book knew he wasn't going to be there for the longevity of it. Yeah. It was just like, ah, I'm only here for what, maybe another six months? I don't know how long it was, but. Yeah. Well, I mean. Jesus, Kurt Angle was there longer than he was in WWE. Yeah. Like, and I think did some of his best matches. Stuff with Desmond Wolf was just Wolf fucking fate. tremendous. I loved his stuff with AJ Styles. The ladder match they had. I remember Kurt Angle running underneath the ladder. AJ Styles doing a fucking like a uh, leapfrog over him. Um, Kurt Angle again going under the ladder. Just nicking his head on a little like cross arm there. Yep. And, like, splitting his head completely wide open. And in that type of moment, I'm a wrestling fan to where I'm not like, Oh, my God, blood! Yes, this is a... <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. That wasn't supposed to happen. I wonder how they're going to go about it now. Yep. I love seeing these guys react. and Because they're so professional like that. And I just... When you know something fucked up happens, it's... I get... Very curious. Like, like, like when Undertaker busted Vince McMahon open and you realize that... that wasn't supposed to happen. Or when Vince blew his legs out yeah. during the rumble and he's just sitting there. It's like, huh. <laughs> okay, well, he's still going with it, but why is he sitting? Yeah, why is he, why is he sitting in the middle of the ring? Now? Taz! Oh, my God! Oh, no, that was Joey Styles. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus making an appearance on that man's shirt. <laughs> you got a Jesus shirt and an asshole shirt pretty close together, so you tell me what your opinion is. <laughs> I did like Taz and Mike Tanay, but I don't think they worked as well together. Oh, you don't like Taz's uh, commentator? I'm, I can't do a I, I don't. Brooklyn accent. I just don't feel like Taz... I don't know. He just... 
he didn't seem to fit with Tanay, in my opinion. He fit more with Michael Cole because he could bust on him and, you know, do his wacky right. shit. But him and Tanay was trying to be classy. a straight man. Yeah. Tanay's too classy for him to be a punching bag. Yeah. Don West could do it because Don West had that personality of that witty, sarcastic, wise ass. Taz, when he busts on you, it's like, fuck, man, he wrote to me good. And I feel like you can't do that to Tanay because Tanay's too, too professional. Yeah. Where, like you said, him and Michael Cole, though, Cole's like, he's a dweeb. Even as a grown <laughs> man, I would pick on him. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Who's this guy? Special guest bell ringer. What the fuck? That's one thing I liked about TNA, too, was at their house shows and at their shows, they did stuff with fans. Like, you could, you did the, the back, where you went yep. backstage and met a bunch of people. I think that stuff was really good. They they had JB going out into the crowd during the shows and stuff. Yep. They were that was a really fan friendly. It was promotion. extremely fan friendly. And for all their pay per views, they did their uh they did their fan fest and stuff. I yep. mean WWE did it too, but I would imagine the TNA one was a lot more interactive it was than more the personal. WWE one. I mean yeah, I don't remember what TNA show it was we went to. We went to a handful of them, but during like intermission, Jeff Jarrett. Is out there signing autographs. Yep. Like, and the one where AJ Styles so cool. was too. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's so awesome. And that's not just, you know, no offense to Eric Young, but Eric Young coming out to sign autographs. That's the founder of the fucking company, one of the top guys. Sitting there out signing Jeff Jarrett. Like, yeah, badass. And then you have Don West in the middle of the ring trying to sell the... the Come the and get guitars. your brown bags! I got brown bags yeah. for days! And then the, the Jeff Jarrett guitars, the autograph yep. guitars, all that stuff. I think TNA had great merch, too. I really liked a lot of the TNA merchandise. Speaking of, we got my, my beer money shirt I on. am not dressed in anything <laughs> other than just a... Uh... And, and my Mr. Anderson hat, which I love this hat. Like, this is my favorite hat. I, yeah. I, 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 the Anderson merchandise was great. When he went to TNA, I really liked it, and then I really hated it because they gave him that shitty world title. Oh, with Jeff Hardy's belt? Yeah. And then, like, he never got it back. Yep. It's like, what the fuck? I think he won it twice, and he never had the regular right, belt. Right, never had the regular belt. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? I would be pissy about that. And the fact that he got the asshole thing over is, is tremendous. I love it. And that it. they let it go. You know? I really loved Mr. Anderson. When we met him, I had my, I don't even know what year it was, but WWE program and he signed it mr anderson and mr kennedy which yep. i thought was kind of cool and when he would do the backstage stuff with christy hemming and he would just bust on her and you could tell she was trying not to, not laugh. to laugh at him yep i i don't understand how anyone would take him you could take him serious like it just i i really missed that guy i liked him a lot and he had great huge. matches too like his stuff with pope i mm -hmm. thought some of that stuff was great when i the first time i saw him was at a wwe show and it was him Jeff Hardy, John Morrison, and Carlito in a fatal four-way match for the Intercontinental title ladder match Yep. at a house show. Yeah. Like, okay, sign me <laughs> up all day. He didn't win it. Jeff Hardy uh, retained the title. But it was Mr. Anderson. Pretty, He's awesome. And the fact that uh, he even took that character with him and just changed it to Anderson, it didn't matter. It was still such was, a, such a strong character. It's that him. It I, think I don't even think it's a character. I think that's just him. Yeah. Outspoken, loudmouth asshole. I, I like it. I don't know why a company doesn't have him at all right now. I don't know if it's just he's too outspoken backstage or he just burns bridges, but 
I don't. How, how you could not want him as part of your company? Does he have that reputation? Do you hear? Have you ever heard? I, I've heard that he like he he likes to voice his opinion, but still, I would want people to speak up. Like if you know that are talented too. Yeah. Like it's one thing if you're. Like, why do you not even want him on commentary? Yeah. You know? I, I think it's so cool right now, whether, I don't know what his contract is, but to help push Drew McIntyre more in WWE right now, MVP is back. Yeah. And he's feuding with him. That's all, that, all right. I wasn't too excited when Drew McIntyre eliminated Lesnar. I don't really care that he won the Rumble. Good for him. It sours me how he did it. But... You feuding him with MVP, that kind of gets me excited for that. It makes me kind of... Right. And it's a throwback to what both of them were on SmackDown. When, exactly. And, yep. I, I think that's so cool. And it's MVP. You know, TNA. Yep. I thought it was awesome when he came to TNA. Yeah. I really liked it when MVP was in TNA. Yeah, yeah, he did He did good stuff with, like, Low Key and Samoa Joe and was the Beatdown Clan yep. all that stuff. Yeah. Yep. And he was still going to back and forth to Japan. Was Kenny King with him? I think he might have been at one point, yeah. Yeah, I think when Joe left, Ken, they slid Kenny King in there, yeah. yeah. But even like a guy like Kenny King that just jumped over from Ring of Honor, they threw him in the X Division and he excelled. He, you know? I'm sorry. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my phone is This is unprofessional. I have to see who it is. Because it might be a pair of boobs. <laughs> I, I never uh, got TNA as, as competition to WWE. I never thought they should have been. They were an alternative. They weren't always yes. an alternative for me. And like, cause you had stuff like the ultimate X match where guys are on the high wires and they're trying to get the X or the title belt down. You know, it gave, you know, it wasn't a typical, like a typical ladder match. Exactly. I, you know? I like the, the hell was it? The X, you just said it. No, I the ultimate X. The ultimate X match. I liked it, but then I didn't. For some reason, it just felt too. I think it got old. Cause once you've seen it, it, it kind of. You know, just seen felt, everything they've done. It and, felt too ridiculous at times. Yeah. Just the concept of there being a big red X. <laughs> I I get what the match was. I and I yep. liked it, but it just it kind of makes me just think of and not because it's red, but yeah, it is because it's red. The hell in the cell, where it's like I love the match, but for some reason now it just seems like a silly gimmick. Yep. One one gimmick match that I really liked was the King of the Mountain match, the reverse ladder match. Reverse. I thought that was a really cool concept. I like personally the the Feaster Fire match. The Feaster Fire was good too when yeah. they first started doing yeah. them, and then once they because then you were like, oh, this is Money in the Bank, and it's kind of like, yeah, you know. And it just was obvious what, like, one who was going to get fired, and yeah. then it became storyline of fired because at first it was like, oh shit, this guy's actually leaving the company. He's the dude that's going to get fired. Yeah. I liked it. I, I liked that randomness. And that seemed like a Russo idea. Yeah. That totally seemed like a Russo As, as much shit as he gets, he did come up with good stuff. Some shit was horrible. Bro. But he did come up bro, with good stuff. I, bro. My sister is a bro, bro. And bro. And I think he was a lot of the, the impetus behind everybody having a story. Even the smaller guys. Even the, you know, the low-level guys having a story. Something to do. You which know. is... Which... Probably might have been stupid and hurt some of them. I don't know, but it, if if he had any part of any storyline that I remember, whether it was between The Rock and Austin or Takamichi Nuku and S.A. <laughs> Rios, if he had anything to do with any of that, then, hey, hats off to him because it's in my head. Yep. 
like the oddities. You know the oddities was an idea of his. Right, because Vince you know? doesn't even know what that is. He had no clue who the Insane Clown Posse was or any of that. You know? Insane Clown Pussy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that shit. But talking about Russo ideas from this pay-per-view, Bound for Glory 2007, one of my favorites with the main event of Angle against Sting, which I thought was a great match. The, uh, the inside-out battle royal concept, where everybody starts outside the ring, yep. and ten guys have got to try to get in try the get ring, in. and then it's an outside battle royalty, you get down to two guys, and then they have a, a match. A match. That's a great fucking idea. How out of the box is that? Yep. That, I think that's such an awesome idea. It, it seems, it sounds stupid, but when you watch it, it's actually a really cool idea. And I don't know why they don't do more matches, not necessarily like that, but even... I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking of WWE doing different matches, like the championship scramble and stuff like that. That was a, I thought that was I a really great like those match. kind of matches too, where it's almost a race against the clock. I mean, that one definitely is. But even that, it's, it it feels like there's pressure. Yeah. On that, like immensely, and I I like that when there's. And WWE used to do the like beat that. the clock challenge matches yeah, where you had you know you had to beat the. Here we go with the, you know starting off how you were mentioning oh, earlier man. you know Jerry AJ Lynn Styles. And Styles yeah. And I, the look of it and this, you know, when they have actually had an entrance, that was good. When they first started, it just looked so small time because they were in that state fairgrounds. Yep. But this actually looks legit and the lighting started getting better. But nobody knew who AJ Styles was unless you watched Ring of Honor. And he, he just, they started making him world champ after that and he became Mr. TNA. Yep. It was, and to see him where he is now and he's still doing amazing shit. It's it's crazy to think that he started all the way back here. Yep. And even a guy, this character, Robbie E. I loved this. I, I because we saw him in, in Northeast Wrestling Before, and to see him do this. Yeah. I mean, he was kind of like this, but obviously the uh, the Jersey Shore thing really, when that exploded, his character became. And electric. I even liked liked him with uh with Jesse. You know, as I can't even think of the name of the team, but oh the. I can't, oh I can't. my god! <laughs> I want to say the hype bros, but that's that's not it. That's fucking. That's what's coming to my head too. But it, I I thought that was a great team. It just the, the lower level guys all had talent. I mean, well, n maybe not Rob Terry, Rob Terry but still, not so much. But I know what you're saying. You know, it. Oh my god! I forgot he was with Garrett. <laughs> oh my god, Devon. <laughs> Devon Dudley with fucking Gare Bear. And I love that Hogan liked Devon. Hogan was the guy behind Devon getting the title. Well, it's the only title because book. he was black. <laughs> Trying to get reparations right, for saying like, shit. Damn it, come out someday, brother. <laughs> but, the, but the fact that Hogan saw something in Devon, you know, makes me happy. Like I love Devon. He's awesome. And from every report I've ever heard from people, Hogan was all in on that company. Like oh, he, yeah? he he loved being back there. He was throwing ideas out left and right. You know, I, I get that at the beginning people soured on it because, like, the nasty boys came in and all that shit. But they weren't around long. Right, and you knew it, it was only going to be for that quick moment just to get a pop, get notice, get the name out there even more. And I liked it when it went back to the four-sided ring. Because, I mean, because that's what I grew up on and I stuff. Like the six, I, I like the six. I like the six, too. Different. Yeah. And I... I don't know if it's harder to work. I'm not even going to say that it is. But I've heard 
TNA guys say it's difficult to do that because it limits you on space. And and it looked weird when they were trying to whip guys into the you know the the. Ropes. It looked like they guys were looking for that right. It's like oh shit, I can't throw him directly here because the turnbuckle's right there and is right there. Because you're going from 25 foot of rope or whatever that is to basically probably eight foot. Yeah. When you condense it to that, so I mean, I, I get it. I get the the difficulty. But I, I just did. I just thought, I was like, man, it makes sense for one to have the six sides on Spike TV because they have the octagon with, you know. Yep. Um, I think the only reason they changed it because they were going a completely new direction with Hogan. So they, they wanted to do different. And, yep. and they wanted to compete with Vince and they figured going traditional was the best way to do it. I never thought they should have went on Mondays. That was, they should have stayed on Thursdays with Spike TV. Mm -hmm. I mean, they went back to it. But I think they lost a lot of momentum trying to go head-to-head. -head. Yeah. I mean, they still did some of their best work in 2010, 2011, I think. You know, with Anderson and the matches and the, showing the range of Abyss and all yep. that stuff. But it just, I, I think going head-to-head -head was a bad move for them. Right. And I think it soured Spike on them because they didn't get the ratings that they thought they would get. That they would get doing you know? that. And, and so Spike kind of, kind of dro dropped the ball after that. Like, they weren't promoting it like they used to. Right. Even though it was their most high-rated show other than UFC. Yeah, I, I mean, I used to watch Spike TV all the time because there was a lot of shit on it anyways. But I just, I do, I remember, like, turning in religiously to TNA over WWE or putting it on pause and stuff. Look at this. Is, is that a Madison Rain? That's another thing is is the uh, the knockouts division. Yeah, let's talk about the women. We haven't really talked about yeah. them at all. Gail Kim becoming the first knockouts champion. Yep. I thought it was going to be Awesome Kong with the way they were building her up. Yeah. But having the legit, you know, pedigree of the the great worker in Gail Kim be yep. the first one, and then you had the beautiful people who weren't even a thing at the beginning. They were right. just two girls that were there, and to see what they became. I really liked them a lot. Yeah, I, a lot. <laughs> I let the uh, I let the pigeons loose too much. And they and they had a great range. Like they they're just the mean girls. And even when when they turned babyface, they were yep. still good. And Roxy, who started as the voodoo queen I really with VKM, her. I liked her a lot. And then she became like the hardcore knockout when they shaved her head. Yep. You know, which we I, met her once. Yeah. Yep, that, that was the first Northeast Wrestling show we went to. We yeah. met her, the one with Taven and all that, and yep. we met Jaleel Salam for the first time and all that shit. I thought for some reason that guy was going to be a big deal. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is the next fucking better Muhammad Hassan. And I was like, oh, he didn't even become a Muhammad Hassan. He just... And I really liked the way they did Awesome Kong, where she would challenge people out of the audience, and like Sojo Bowl and all that stuff. And you could tell like Serena, you knew that she was a wrestler. You could tell that these girls were wrestlers, but it was still it a was cool still concept. Interesting, exactly. And then when Taylor Wilde came out and ended up beating Kong like on a fluke, but then she kept beating she kept her. Beating. It was it was such a great storyline. Yep. And I I don't know if Russo was writing a lot of that, but it to build up the women's division like that, it, it was really good. And so at one point the women's matches were the ratings were better than the men. They were good. I, I enjoyed uh, a lot of the TNA women matches because they weren't. Yeah, they were glitzy, glamorous, Barbie doll-looking chicks, too. But they didn't wrestle like the divas. Yep. They were allowed to go out there and actually wrestle. And even Christy Hemme was training with AJ Styles to get better. And she yeah, Rock and Rave Infection. How did we not say that name? We're oh, yeah. Tag teams. Yeah. 
they didn't go very far, but no, it was, but it was still, still memorable. Were, right, exactly. I mean, Jimmy Rave coming out with the Guitar Hero guitar, you know, and, and mispronouncing the, the the city they were in all yep. the time. Yeah, yeah I, I, that was great. And they were Christy fun. Christy Hemme looked hot as hell all the time. Mm-hmm. And the feud that she had with VKM where she was, before they even started doing knockouts matches, where she wanted the women to mean something, and Billy Gunn being the chauvinist pig, you know, saying that women right, are only women good are. for one thing. And then she'd bring in different tag teams like the Heartthrobs. Mm-hmm. And then she did uh, Serotonin with Kaz and... Uh, oh, yeah, I do remember that. I can't... Oh, fuck. I can't think of the other one. Michael Shane or whatever the fuck they called him. They called, I think they called him Havoc when he was with Raven. But then they brought in the Bashams. Yep. And she had, you know, like saying, oh, well, those other teams, they weren't my guys. And then they brought in the Bashams and started the shit with VKM. The Bashams didn't go very long, but oh, I thought that didn't. was good. But it gave Christy Hemi something to really work with, and then you know she tried right, to train Right, because they didn't do shit. Like she won the contest in WWE, but the, it never it was just the eye candy. Yep. So it was cool to see someone like her do something so different like that, and then become you know like the ring announcer and all that good shit. But have a personality behind it too. Yeah. Yep. Like, however many fucking in the last d- year backstage correspondence. Females that WWE's had, I can only name Charlie Caruso. Yeah, I know there's like a Michaela. Yeah, and Kayla. Yeah, Kayla Braxton. Kayla yeah. and Kathy Kelly. One she just left. I don't know who that one is. But you know, that's what I'm saying. Though it's it's you, you have to pause on it and think about them. Yeah, but Christy Hemi, you'll you'll always, you'll always remember. remember. Which yeah. I think it's cool. Um, when we go to WrestleFest. March 8th, Colony Center. Christy Hemi will be there. Yep. Um, I've got a little list of a couple of them that I want to meet. Just, I, want, I can't wait to meet Deborah like that. Right. I have her written down here, just Deborah, which I'm kind of surprised. The combo for her is only 30 bucks. Yeah. Uh, Gail Kim, $20 for a picture, $20 for an autograph. It doesn't have a combo listed. Um, I'm probably going to do a picture with her. Gangrel is only 30 bucks. I'm probably going to do a picture or have him sign my picture. And Greg Gagne, it's only thirty dollars. But I also saw on their thing that Ezekiel Jackson is is really supposed to be there. I didn't see that. That's fucking cool. And S.A. Rios, huh? That's that's pretty. That's pretty cool. That's uh, trying to remember who else because there was a couple other ones on that. That that that's pretty stacked actually. That the names they've got for that. That's that's pretty cool. I know there was someone else. I'm gonna be spending too much money. <laughs> I didn't see the price for S.A. Rios, but I was like, God damn, that's kind of cool. So you're going to have S.A. Rios and Lita. That would be a cool photo. At the opportunity. same signing? Yeah, that would that would be a good combo Pretty cool, right? Yep. I would do a special combo just for the two of them. Uh-huh. But you know what? Sweet. Sometimes they don't think that way, so, you know, you got to use your brain at that point, and sometimes I would have to that. think, because I've heard her talk about him, and how she has a big, he has a big meaning in her life because that's who she started with, blah, blah, blah. I would like to think that if they saw each other there, they would just say, hey, let's put our tables next to each other. Yep. But again, you know. That's, and, and she seems like the kind of person that would try to draw attention to him so he would make more money. Right. You know what I mean? Because yep. she knows that he's not a huge name that people are going to flock to. So Exactly. Exactly. But I thought that was kind of cool. Um I feel like there was someone else, and I don't... Meet and Z could actually be pretty cool. Even just getting a picture with him would actually be would be pretty cool. I really liked him, and then it, it just, it just it, they didn't do shit with him, so it just didn't... But, you know, 
It's the muscular black guy thing. It really is. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, I mean, he was the last ECW world champion. But that was when it really didn't mean much. And everybody wanted Regal to win it at that point. And that would have so. made it mean anything. Yeah. It would have made it mean anything more than what it didn't mean at that moment. Yep. But what do you think they're drinking right there, Pete? I don't know. Because that's pretty... It's, it's the Rams piss from Beer Fest. <laughs> I loved the, this stuff with, with bad influence. Because you knew that they were unscripted and they were doing shit just to piss people off. Oh, man, just saying the shit? Yeah. Yep. They they, they knew there were no consequences and, and they I, were just doing shit. I always thought when, when I first saw Kaz come in and shit and he had the long, like, the ponytail and stuff, I always thought he looked like a Down Syndrome version of Razor Ramon. <laughs> That's horrible to say, but yeah, I get it. Is it, is it horrible to say? I mean... <laughs> I'm just making an observation. I'm not saying he is. There we are. He had so much merchandise, it was ridiculous. I think him and Jeff Hardy were head-to-head -head as far as having shirts and all that shit. And, like, when they would drop the microphone wrong, like, they would do it slow, he would mess with them and shit. Like, he would go slowly to it just to, you know. And it just, it, it gave that sense of realism. <laughs> the asshole thing, yup. How he got that over? We yes. are we are ace holes over here, so there is no lawsuits <laughs> or nothing. So we are ace holes. I couldn't believe it when they announced that Hogan was coming in. I didn't think they had the kind of money that. I mean, granted, yeah, they were backed by an energy company that had a lot of money, but I didn't think they would put that kind of money into bringing somebody like Hogan in, even just to get Hogan. You know, would put his name. On little girl hair scrunchies. But you know he was commanding a huge price to do that. Oh, I don't know. I mean, when he does oh, his... Oh, brother, I got, a, I got a lawsuit, brother, from Deborah, brother. Uh, you got to bail me out, dude. <laughs> Bischoff's just like, yeah, Hulkster, give me my blue chew. I need to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I loved when Foley came in in 2008. Yeah. But then after a while, you could realize that he wasn't really with the product. Like, he just... It was like he was just there, and he did whatever they asked him to do, and he really wasn't putting much thought into it. I feel you know? like a lot... Like, that's... That's when TNA... I don't even know. Like, all of that... Like I said before we started recording, it just still feels like all of that is still going on. It just didn't... It feels like TNA should have never have lost that stride of the good moments. Yep. And because I did when when Foley like Foley versus Sting in a steel cage, it was great. Like that, you would you could never see that anywhere else other than DNA. Yep. And then and then it kind of got discombobulated where Foley was the executive shareholder, but you still had Jim Cornette as the face of management. Well, what the fuck's Cornette there for if Foley's making matches? It's and making shit. matches. You right. know, it, it was. At some points, they, they kind of lost sight of what they were doing, and the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. Yep. You know, conti con continuity or continuity. continuity. You know, it seemed like... But the, still, the product was amazing, but yep. it just... Little things you could pick apart were just like, eh, that... And, and that's you know. what the internet fans did. Yeah. They, they, they picked that shit apart, which to me was like, the not the demise of TNA, but it hurt it so much because the internet was... Make or break anything nowadays. Yeah. And that's kind of the way it is with WWE. I mean, WWE doesn't really listen to what the people want, but it does influence a lot of oh, yeah. what they do, you know? Yep. 
And, and it's almost like they do shit purposefully to get that negative reaction and they just keep going with it. Like, I'm going to go off on a tangent right yeah, now. shit. <laughs> WWE, make your current product better by establishing the stars you have and keeping them going and maintaining a good storyline with good narrative and good end results other than signing The Rock's goddamn daughter. Oh, yeah. Yep. I don't fucking give two squirts or pisses or a dog shakes of a tail that this fucking, I'm going to say it, this transvestite looking child. <laughs> like Brock Lesnar's daughter. She looks kind of. just like The Rock, but with hair. Yeah. If she was bald, she'd look just like her goddamn dad. I don't, you've never wrestled a match in your fucking life. And because you're his daughter, you get signed to this company when there's other talent there that should be looked at and it should be going off of them. Do you remember at one point or at any point in the Attitude Era, established stars and then a, an insurgence of talent coming in behind them and just overshadowing them? Or yeah. I don't remember that happening. I don't remember that happening. I remember the Attitude Era having the same stars for X amount of years with trickling talent in between. Now it has become, we have so much, we need to push right through what we have to get the next thing out the door. Yep. The Rock's daughter is 18 years old. I do not give a fuck. And you know that as soon as she gets into NXT, she's going to be pushed to the fucking moon whether she can wrestle or not. Look at Eddie Guerrero's daughter. Didn't she sign with the WWE and yep. nobody ever gave a fuck? Yep. Didn't go anywhere? I just, when I read that story, I was like, why are we making a big deal out of this? Only because it's his daughter? She is a fourth generation superstar? No, she isn't. She is attempting to be. She's just because your name identity alone. Just because you're born doesn't mean that makes you the fourth generation superstar. And I'm not speaking from any experience, but to be labeled anything, that means you've had to work towards it and become that. Yep. I don't I don't think indie wrestlers are superstars, do you? <laughs> no, not. I mean they are in their own right, but they don't go around saying, well, I'm working the indies, so I'm a superstar. Yeah, until you get to a certain level, you're not a star. Exactly. No offense to anybody that is working their ass off to get there, but in my opinion, this person is just riding off of the name. But even like... And I'm going to start calling her the Pebble. <laughs> the Pebble. The Pebble Maya Villa. Yep. But even like guys in like Ring of Honor, to me, they're not superstars. Until you get to a level like WWE, because Ring of Honor just does not have that distribution and level uh, AEW guys are becoming stars but even a Matt Taven you put him in an autograph signing with somebody even like Gail Kim people are going to Gail Kim because they have no fucking clue who Matt Taven is right and I, that's you know not I mean? really what I'm meaning no but on... I, I get what you're saying yeah because yeah all right yeah, yeah you know what I mean just saying until you get to a certain level you're not a star mm -hmm. you know and that's true I mean it is um but yeah I just just another notch in the belt of why I can't stand WWE and just their way of thinking and doing things of well the rock's daughter, we have to we have to make news of this, but it's like why? Yep. I mean you got Goldberg coming back. Why? It's all for the Saudi Arabia shit. Stupid. It's because they're getting so much money from Saudi Arabia that they think that they have to go to these these stupid fucking matches. And then you get someone like Finn Balor who you put back on NXT. 
And he's doing some of his best stuff right now, actually. I'd like to see him just leave and go to AEW. I mean, what are you? What do you? What, if you were in WWE, what is your goal? Right? Okay, I'm gonna start off as a no-name jobber. I'm gonna go to NXT. I'm gonna bust my ass there. I'm gonna become the NXT World Champion. I'm gonna get noticed. I'm gonna get, you know, I'm gonna drop the belt. I'm gonna get pulled up to the big show. I'm gonna try to get, you know, Intercontinental title, maybe the U.S. title, maybe the Tag Team Championships. Get noticed again. Win a Royal Rumble. Win a Money in the Bank ladder match, go on to WrestleMania, become a World Heavyweight Champion, right? Then once you become a World Heavyweight Champion, what do you try to do? You try to maintain that. You try to stay right there in that same spot, like that line. You, you don't want to go anywhere in between, because if you go too high, then you become like a CM Punk and people just start to hate you. If you go too low, well then Vince McMahon hates you. You want to stay right level. Okay, Finn Balor did that. Finn Balor got injured. Finn Balor never got back there. He never will. In my honest opinion, he never will get back no. there. Because now you've got people like AJ Styles who are Finn Balor ten, times 10, right? Now you're back in NXT where you started, where you were like, well, I'll start here and I'll get there. So now that you've started here, you've got there, you went back here, you're never going to get back here. You're just going to stay here. Why stay here? Why not go here over to the other company and go right to the top? I just... I wouldn't, I don't know, I don't see the glory in being like, well, I'm an NXT champion again. Yeah, and you were the first ever Universal champion, so really, where's the prestige behind that? And to be honest, I don't think he would have gotten the Universal title if Triple H wasn't pushing for him. I'm, that's a guy that Vince McMahon never would have, you know, ever. like the demon thing, like, Vince would have seen that as an undercard thing, and he did. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like. I think the only reason Finn Balor ever got that universal opportunity was because of Triple Which, H. Which, I got a question that. How does that even make sense then if you if you think Vince looks at that as an undercard thing, but then yeah, here Bray Wyatt is? I think that the Bray Wyatt thing is so unique. It's so, I mean, because the demon thing was kind of, once you've seen it, but Bray Wyatt changes it up so much. Right, and Finn Balor that, does not have a personality. Yeah. And, yeah, he can't really cut a promo. I mean, he's doing heel ones now, but it's really not. He's more, right, okay, I, I, I do get that. Because when he's the demon, he's not a personality. He's just, eh, yeah, eh, he's eh. Yeah, he, and he's just putting on face paint and, and doing his same and pose being with the same heel, music. Being a heel is a normal Finn Balor. He's got the bad boy leather jacket. Yeah. But there's there, he just doesn't have he doesn't And, like, have like Balor's doing, like, the guns and stuff. Okay, you're doing that, but you're not alluding that he was part of the Bullet Club. Right. So it means fucking nothing. Right, you're just appeasing to the fans that know who he is. Yep, you're popping a few internet fans that go, oh, he did that in the Bullet Club. And, right. And But then once, that's one thing about NXT that once they, they get over in NXT because they're the internet fans and they're the people that are passionate about NXT, they come up to the main roster, nobody fucking cares. Because they WWE does not do, they did for Aleister Black, I will admit. They did vignettes for him, and they built him up really well. Mm -hmm. But for most of them, they bring him up and nobody gives a shit. Well, I really feel like they're... I, I don't know whether WWE's relying on NXT to help them out, or NXT is just relying on WWE. But the whole... And you probably might like it, and I don't mean to sound so bitter to people that do like it, but it's just like, why? What is the point of having Charlotte Flair be challenged by Rhea Ripley? Again, you're going backwards yep. if nxt is your <laughs> developmental essentially why are you having it seem like it is just as prestigious or more important than raw 
Because if that's the case, what is the point of ever getting called up to the main roster? Yep. At that point, there's no main roster. You are a third brand. You are not a third developmental brand. You are essentially a third brand. You are that third head on King Ghidorah that does just as much thinking and just as much fucking... Your, your prime time on USA Network, you're no longer a developmental brand. Right. You have your own world championship. Clearly, it's you're cross-promoting. You have these guys on this show, this guy on that show. You would have never have seen... This, if it was still like FCW, yeah, or OVW right. back in the day, like just, Orton's not going to go back down to OVW, you know, no. to, to challenge for the OVW title. It's, yep. I, I think it's a lot of it is they just don't know what the fuck to do with Charlotte Flair anymore. They've they've prostituted her so much on that main roster that just nobody cares. So they figure we'll put her down in NXT with somebody hot like Rhea Ripley, mm -hmm. and we'll see if we can get a rub off of that, and then bring her back up to the main roster and see if. Something happens. Well, it's like know? even like just any of their the shit that I've been like following. Their storylines don't make just are weird. Like, uh, Shayna Baszler biting Becky Lynch. Did you see that? Yeah. Like as if that's anything that she did before. It you just know? It, it looks so stupid, and it's like I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I they think... were hitting strides for a little while, and then it's like, well. We did the best we could for that duration. Now we got to kind of just run it on fumes and see. I, I think works. a lot of that they do stupid shit like that every once in a while to get internet memes started, just to get you know people talking, and you know to do stupid shit like that just to as a one off to get people talking, but they don't really do anything with it. It don't you know it? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean that's why I wish TNA was still. The way it was in 07, yep. 08, 09, even 2010, 2011. Yep. Still around and was that alternative. Not not a competition, but an alternative. Yep. That you could flip and say, well, fuck, I don't want to watch WWE because this is bullshit. TNA's doing some good shit. I'm going to fucking watch TNA. Exactly. You know? I mean, I, I really did. I mean, I still do love TNA, but I loved TNA. You know, during these times and shit like that from... Jesus, basically from when I first started watching it, 06, 07, whatever it was, up until, it was like 2013, I yeah. like stopped watching Even it. Even the Aces and Eights stuff was, was I liked great. all of that. I remember watching that and wanting to get home and get on my uh, DVR yep. to be like, oh my God, what happened this week? Did they reveal any of the members? Like. I, I, I did. I loved it all. I, I really did love TNA. And, and even and when Jeff Hardy came back... What was it? This his final time. Well, not I don't know if it was his final time. Jesus Christ, actually. <laughs> but like in twenty, maybe it was twenty twelve or whatever. And he was sitting up on the asylum, up on top of the steel cage after they had their like X division steel asylum match or whatever. And they were just, or maybe it was before that. Actually, it was before that. I think it was Hogan. right when Hogan started. Yeah, it was. In. It yep. was during that, not twenty twelve. Yep. So it was like two thousand and ten and shit. Because it was just like, oh man, like TNA's gonna get another little bit of flair to it because i didn't watch a lot of tna when jeff hardy was there at first i he was kind of on the outs yeah he was I having started. his substance issues yeah shortly, you know? and it's funny to think that the schedule was so light and you still can't show up to the fucking shows like your problems are that fucking bad well, that Jesus you, Christ, you show up to the one show where you're the champ against sting oh man i can't believe sting didn't go straight to wwe after that 
Just because, yeah. I would have. I would have been like, this is fuck. You let him go out. Like, you can't come up with something, you know. Well, you know I what mean, I mean? From the stores I've heard, they didn't let him go out. He just walked out. They but when were, you when you noticed he was in that state backstage, have somebody attack him or something like that. Well, you can't have somebody attack him. Well, but you know what I mean? Like, do like a backstage thing where you would, you know, he's oh, laid out. Story you know what I mean? Storyline yeah. wise. You know, and so you substitute somebody else in there to wrestle Sting. You know yep. what I mean? Like it, or yeah, you just say, "All right, he's not, he can't compete. He got injured warming up." Yeah, something so simple like that. Yeah, exactly. And then I don't even know who throw anybody out there at that. Yeah, point. throw Anderson in there because Anderson could she could eat up some minutes, you know, cutting a promo. Which good timing because he just won his match. Awesome. So that's a good little uh, <laughs> good segue. Yeah, but yeah, this some of the some of the stuff like that is a little bit ridiculous. And I loved. Bully Ray, him being a single star and winning the world title, showing what range he had, the character was perfect. Yeah, it was. Because you, you would always heard that he was an asshole and that yep. he was a bully. Not to the extent that people say about JBL, but you, I always heard that he was just an asshole mm-hmm. in real life. And to bring that out, you know. Which, I've only met him the one time, and I gotta say, it's hard to say anybody's an asshole when they bring you three different types of Oreo cookies. <laughs> I mean, can you really say someone's an asshole when they do that? Yeah. Sure, you can. <laughs> sure, you can. But there's an asterisk next to that because there's that moment of, yeah, the dude kicked my dog, but <laughs> he gave me Oreos. He had three different types of Oreos. <laughs> He like, brought me Girl Scout cookies for God's sakes. You know, yeah, it was interesting. It, you, you can't hate on that. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about is Van Dam. I liked him being in TNA. I thought it was really cool. He had good, some good matches, but it seemed like in some of the matches he just didn't care. Like it, it seemed like he just he was going through the motions. He wasn't trying to put on the match. I want to chalk that up to, and this could go with a lot of the guys, not just Van Dam. Because I've noticed that just as you watch TNA, a lot of it just seems kind of phoned in. I am going to blame that on the horrible um, managing of matches and shit. Because a lot of that stuff was just thrown together in the moment. Then you got to think a lot of this is taped. Yeah. One on top of another on top of another. So I do, because I've noticed that even just watching it when I used to watch it week by week, it was like, God, this guy looked better last week. Or, or whatever I was thinking in the moment. And I've always had to think, like, well, I know they do, like, five pay-per-views in one fucking day. And these guys are probably gassed and tired. And they do work a pretty limited schedule, but it is pretty tight when they do do it. Because they do a lot of shit at once. But then you see certain guys like Angle, who always went full force. Guys oh, like the, AJ the Styles. drugs and the alcohol with him. I blame yep. that all on that. That guy... <laughs> After listening to the Bruce Pritchard like podcast about Angle having his substance abuse problems through his injuries and shit, that guy's a whole other breed. Like, yeah, just when we saw him in Northeast wrestling, he could barely walk, and then he wrestles then in a steel wrestling. cage with Kobe Rhodes, and you're like, how the fuck did? How did How's he, he do doing that? a moonsault off the top of yeah. that? And he could barely walk to his table earlier. Just an incredible human being. I know. loved his TNA stuff. It, he was serious at times, but he could still do the like the stuff with him and Karen Angle. He could still do the yep. goofy shit. But when it came time to turn it on, he had some of his best fucking matches. He was a much more serious version of Kurt Angle in TNA than he was in WWF. Yep. 
for sure. And I think a lot of it came with experience of being in the WWE system and then going to TNA and being like, well, I can change shit up over here. Right. Like, I could do what I want to do here. And he never had that, like, versatile thinking. He was always, he's just WWF. Yep. It's not like he went to WCW, worked there for a while, had a way of thinking in that aspect, went to ECW, which he was originally going to sign up and do, have that kind of mindset, and then go to WWF, and then he only had, like, WWF. So, like... You're like somebody that's only ever been married to the same person for 30 years, and then you finally get a divorce, and you start playing the field. You start, all right, well, this was like that for so long over here, but I guess it didn't need to be. I can I can change the course of this and this and that. And I just, I loved Kurt Angle and TNA. I really, really did. I think the main event mafia was some of his best stuff. I really enjoyed it. Him and Desmond Wolf, I really enjoyed a lot yep. of that. And I think, like, Christian Cage coming in, he, he had the WWF structure, and he didn't yeah. want to rock the boat because he had a spot. But and he goes right. to TNA, and they push him hard at the beginning, but then he he never really... He went mid-card, but I, w- I would call him upper mid-card. And he would just... He would do some of the best promos, and his shit was just so solid, his whole TNA run. Because that's... <laughs> how I roll, right? Is how he did <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And... and it brought AJ up to a, a different level because he was doing something different other than just the X Division stuff. He it was showing a different side of AJ playing off of Christian. Exactly. It was just Christian, I think, brought so much to that company when he jumped. And then, you know, the stuff with him and Sting with turning heel against Sting. Yep. You know. Yeah. I, it, it All of that was good. It was, and I'm, I'm really glad. I'm totally 100% honestly glad I don't watch any of it now. The impact. Because it would just sour me more than it already has knowing what I've already seen. Like, knowing Rob Van Dam is back in impact and he's only, like, disgracing his his career and shit. Because I've heard the storylines that he's in are just absolutely fucking stupid. Um, And they've got... Their lower card guys are people that nobody wants. mm -hmm. You know what I mean? AEW is not signing these guys, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. So WWE doesn't want them. What does that say about you know your lower card talent? Exactly, you know I mean? they're never going to become anything because it's just the nature of the beast. And then you make Tessa Blanchard your champion, which I don't get. Tessa Blanchard, she has no personality. I think her matches are fucking horrible. You know, and I get the the whole woman thing being world champion worked in Lucha Underground because it was a completely different product. Oh but yeah, making, it's, it's its own entity. That's like a different universal yeah. wrestling there. But, but making her world champion impact, like, so what, if she loses, is she just going to be going for that title from now on, or is she going to go back to working for the knockouts right. title? Like, it just, it, it makes no sense to me. Whatsoever. Exactly. It, you're right. You have to have reasons other than just, oh, this is cool. Yeah, and to me, that's something that Jarrett never would have greenlit. Like, he would have been like, no fucking way. Like, because... You, you, Awesome Kong is more legitimate in that spot mm-hmm. than a Tessa Blanchard. Yep. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yep. Even Beth Phoenix is more, you know, because she was just bigger. Like it exactly. just exactly, you know, it just doesn't make sense that it just is going for that shock factor. Yep. Without doing anything horrifying. Yep. And it sucks because the company has lasted this long. But to see what it has become sucks. And at this point, I don't understand how it's lasted this long. 
I understand how Vince has just didn't hasn't bought it just for the library and shit alone. I think it's because of the company that owns <clears> it. <throat> they they have an app that has like wrestling from all around the world. So they'll take these small TV deals just to have content to put on that app hmm. because they know they're making money off of that app. And I'm sure they're making money off of their live events and stuff. And I'm sure Access pays to have their that show. Their arenas on. look smaller now than they've ever looked yep. ever. And it's because like they can't, people pop. It's because they can't get people to come to the show, so they have to do that. At least the Impact Zone, you had big names, so you were getting people to come in no matter what. And it was the amusement park, so they could pull people out of the park to get into the air conditioning mm -hmm. in the summer. You know what I mean? Or just any other time, you know, to get out of the the warm the heat. No, it's just for a I just don't understand years. how it's going. It, I just don't. I just don't. And, and, of course, when Dixie Carter was running it, she loved it, and it was just a pet project for her, so it just kept going. It just kept going, yeah. exactly. I think she is one of the reasons why that company changed so much. Like, if Jarrett had a financial backer and she had nothing to do with that company, just was a financial backer, that company would still be TNA today. Yeah. It would still be that same vibe, the same, you know, the same stars. Like, James Storm and Bobby Roode, they never would have went to WWE. I, you know what I mean? Now it's just it's unfortunate to even see Bobby Roode in WWE because they're not doing anything with him, really. And I thought he would have been a top heel when he came in. Right, and you, you can know? still have him being dressing the way he does, but do vignettes of him as Bobby Roode. Yep. WWE doesn't know who he is. They just know him as Bobby Roode. And that's another thing you mentioned, them buying the, cab the library. You could have used all that footage to build all of these guys. Like Samoa Joe. You could have made him a huge fucking star when he came in. Yep. Even in even if you were just going to bring him into NXT, you still could have used that footage to bring him into NXT. Mm -hmm. And th th all the stars that they have now that, you know, you could have... AJ Styles. The, the amount of content of AJ Styles that you could have used for DVDs and the network and all that shit. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's crazy. It's crazy the shit that they could do. They just, they just don't. And I don't understand. You got all these people working for you you know, in the the headquarters or whatever, wherever you want to label it. And nobody, there's just not doing anything like that anymore. I don't understand. I just, I don't know. And now there's talk of a deal where all the WWE pay-per-views are going to be exclusive to ESPN+. Plus. ESPN+, Plus is paying them to... So the network is not going to have the pay-per-views anymore. So all you're going on is the classic content. And new stuff. And, and new, like the Ruthless Aggression series and all that. You're going to have a shitload of people cancel that fucking oh, yeah. network. I mean, I love it because I love the classic stuff, and it's a pain in the ass to pull out a DVD, sometimes to pull out a DVD, you know, when I can just load it up on the network. But $10 for just that classic shit and the new stuff that they're rolling out, NXT's not on there anymore. I right. mean, it is later, but, but it's, you right. know... For what... For, yeah, exactly. For the amount of value that you were getting, and, and the Saudi Arabia shit... Like, they're going to be pissed that they're not shit. on the network anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it... And those shows are just garbage just to be made. Yep. What I want to do for one of the next episodes is the, the Saudi Arabia show and the AEW pay-per-views are real close together. I want to not watch them together. I want to... I'll, I'll get you a flash drive. We'll both watch them separately and then do a review of both of them and compare notes and okay. all that stuff. I think that would be really cool to compare both products. When are you know they? what I mean? I think the the AEW one actually I think they're two days apart. 
like the the uh, or maybe three. The Saudi Arabia one is on the twenty seventh. It's what I think is a Thursday, and then the AEW one. So they're two days apart. It's on a Saturday. So I think that would be great to you know two days apart, two pay per views that are two days apart. Watch them and and compare them. You know what I mean? And not do watch alongs. Actually, just watch them and mm-hmm. kind of take notes and you know what I mean and and do a whole show just comparing the two. Okay. I think that would actually be a really cool episode. Because the watch-alongs are kind of getting, not that they're getting stale, but it's it's kind of the same thing, you know, where we're trying to do commentary and we're trying to think of stuff to say and sometimes it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the Lesnar in the Rumble, it, it gave us something to work with, but once once he got eliminated, it was kind of like, eh, you know, what's there to talk about now? Because you kind of... You knew what really yep. what was going to happen, right? Yep. Absolutely. I think that would be interesting. Just, I was just fucking... I was just thinking, right? <laughs> Lost my train of thought with it. No, it was something to do with TNA, obviously, but... I, actually, I wanted to say something about Abyss. That was such a unique character, and having James Mitchell with him to talk for him, and then when Sting, you know, kind of brought the personality out of him, I thought was really cool. And then the stuff with Hogan, like, he was just kind of goofy with I Hogan. I didn't like that. You didn't I, like that? I didn't like Hogan telling him, Brother, this... This Tyler Wrestling dude has got to go away, brother. You gotta, you gotta put this. It's like no, Hogan, stop. You're decharacterizing him. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. I like the Joseph Park stuff. I did, but I didn't because it just. <laughs> I wanted a best. I just wanted a best. The Joseph Parks thing was great, but I just wanted a best. And and plus, you also knew that they were gonna go back to a abyss eventually. Right, you know what I mean. Exactly. So, but I thought I thought it it showed a good range. And if he never gets a match in WWE, that's a fucking crime. I just won't understand I, that either. He should be in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, just something, yep. a one time thing. Even if it's different music, just to show like the the anarchy symbol with Abyss on the Tron, and have him come out. Even if he gets eliminated in three seconds, just to have him come out. And do a face-to-face stare-down with Big Show or Braun Strowman. Well, with all your stupid fucking dream matches that they put together for these Saudi shows, why not just say Kane and Abyss? Yeah. One time only, a Saudi Arabia show. Yep. So I, you, now, you know, you don't need a rhyme or reason for anything anymore. I want to see Abyss. I want to see an Abyss match in WWE. And, and that you've got plenty of, like, do him and Bray Wyatt. Have Father James Mitchell come out with a piss yep. and do him and Bray Wyatt. The promos back and forth would be fucking amazing. Or, yeah, do something cool where you show Bray Wyatt doing a promo or whatever. And he's like, I got somebody new in my corner, a new fiend. And show James Mitchell with Bray Wyatt. And then bring in Abyss being like, oh, no. that's I don't know how you do it. Yeah. But, but like, you know, basically a Kane and Undertaker kind of scenario with Paul Bearer. Yep. Just play off of that scenario and just do it differently. Cause and you only really got to run with it for one pay-per-view. It's not like you have to do a huge drawn-out. Not that they do that much anyways. Exactly. But, you know, just to give him that chance. Yeah, it would be sweet. Especially when they were looking at him at one point to be a, an opponent for The Undertaker. Well, fucking do it now. Right. You're, you're parading Undertaker out all the fucking time anyways. Yep. And now they're talking about... Undertaker against AJ Styles at WrestleMania. That must no. okay. When I saw the picture, uh, toying around, shared a picture, and it was AJ Styles doing the phenomenal forearm, and Taker 
And they're and like, I, and I'm like, that's a cool some, picture. But some people are saying, oh well, Undertaker will give him a good match. In what world is Undertaker going to give AJ Styles a good match right now? Abyss, yeah, I think it, it could be slow. Yep, it could be slow. <clears throat> it could be like Undertaker and Triple H was in the Hell in a Cell. Slow and methodical, but it made sense. Right. Like, AJ Styles and Undertaker does not make sense at all other than just the word phenomenal and phenom. Yeah. Like, yep. what world do those two even have any reason to be in the same ring with each other? And if Undertaker starts trying to do, like, his elbow drop off the top rope, he's going to fucking hurt himself, and then it's just, oh, the, the rest of the match is going to, is, is, you know, going to be horrible. They just got to stop parading Undertaker out for no fucking reason. It really, it really does yep. bother me because he has such a good legacy. Yep. And it, it's like once the streak was over, they didn't know what the fuck to do with him. He should have just retired. Yeah. Because then they they jobbed him to Roman Reigns, and I couldn't fucking stand that. Gail Kim looking all sexy. I hope she's wearing that when we meet her. <laughs> she would, you would have loved it. She was in a full-on leather, like tight leather outfit when I met her. I'm probably gonna go to jail that day. <laughs> they had Tina had such a good talent base. It's, they did. it's so amazing. And I liked how the X Division guys, not all of them, got pegged in that light all the time. You know, You're telling me some of these guys got pegged in a light? <laughs> what? No, but I mean... they What? Just, <laughs> they just... It wasn't black or white, cruiserweight, this is what you are. Right, right. You know no. what I mean? D'Lo Brown! You fat back Bruce, Bruce Richard! Bruce Richard! Sting with, with the Joker character. But I love blue. that. I love I that. I like that, too. And Pritchard actually... I think he talked about that. He was like... I, he enjoyed that, that cool. character of Sting in TNA. Well, you know... We're watching Dixie Carter with her microphone. Who had her own fucking action her, figure. Her own microphone. microphone. Oh, oh. Wink, wink. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like to debut his little something special. We have our own custom-made comic wrestling podcast microphone. Microphone. You will see this at Comic-Cons. You will see this. cool. Have you used it yet? Have you tried it out? No. No? I haven't tried it out. Oh, man. You're not like... <laughs> you're not a grown kid at all. <laughs> First thing I would have been doing on that is screaming into it. But we we just we love doing little things like this that just it makes it fun for us to come and up with I things think it like looks this. Cool too. And it looks so legit, like just the mic cube. It looks professional. We'll have to, and shit. Uh, at one point, we'll have to get a string on it, and <laughs> lower it down. <laughs> but it is cool. We'll be talking to it. We'll be doing interviews here and there, and we'll do our first one right here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Comic Wrestling Podcast Season 2, the TNA episode. That's what we're talking about is TNA, Total Nonstop Wrestling. We Not loved tits it. and ass, but we do love Sometimes that Sometimes there's tits and ass because they had some <laughs> sexy knockouts. But our first interview for Season 2 is going to be with none other than Deadly Dave. Oh, shit. I'm not ready, but all right. Whatever. No one's ever ready for Ace Williams. <laughs> that's, so, that's, for, that's true. Let's get ready for this. All right. My first question is Deadly Dave. How do you do it? I do things. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Man I, wait, of many wait, wait, words. Wait, wait. Oh, I, oh, do, oh. I do more than ridiculous Nick. We can we can admit he that. He does more than ridiculous Nick, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but I'm not setting the bar very high. A turd rolling uphill <laughs> does more than ridiculous Nick. But, well, 
Yeah. He well, brings boxes of videos. We can say that. This is true. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our first interview of the wow. season two of wow. the Comic Wrestling Podcast. Deadly Dave, thank you so much for your time. I have plenty of time to give, so. Plenty of time to give. Ladies, <laughs> you know where to find him. I wish they would. <laughs> <laughs> I'll even give out my address at that point. <laughs> well, we don't know what kind of ladies are coming. And I've been to Walmart recently, <laughs> and I've seen some things in there that are just, what? <laughs> Actually, I have to go to Walmart after this, so I will pick up some uh, some new talent for you. I'll, I'll be the godfather, and I'll find the hose. <laughs> There's plenty of and them. And I'm going to lead them right off a cliff, because <laughs> we don't want that shit. I love talking about TNA. This is, to see the, all the talent that they have on that stage with Sting and Hernandez. And you know what? I would say a good 60% of them are in WWE now. Yeah. Or at least are WWE alumni. Yeah. And to see, like, Tara, who did her best work in TNA, in my I opinion. I liked it when she came in. You know, the, the, the stuff they did with the knockouts, the match, the quality of the matches, and they tried to give them personalities. I liked it a you lot. You know, like, I love Jay Lethal stuff here and more way more than anything he's done in Ring of Honor since. Speaking of Ring of Honor, PCO being their world, world champion. That's pretty fucking that, cool. That's man. cool. That's like And he's getting like I think this is his first action figure that he's getting. The Ring really? of Honor action figure is his first action wow. figure. He never even had a WWE. I don't F, think so. Like, LJN little tiny. I don't even one? think I don't think they did him as the Quebecers, nothing. Wow. Yeah. That's it's crazy, crazy to, to think, think yeah, that, that is really crazy is. And I just think as a wrestling fan that we're talking about wrestling, that is, that's more, in my personal opinion, that's more historic than Goldberg coming back. Yeah. Or the Bellas going into the fucking Hall of Fame. And he's a guy that completely reinvented himself. Like he's nothing like he used to be. Mm -hmm. And it's a very interesting, wacky, you know, off kilter character. I think it's great. And it's just unbelievable at his age, like 54, yep. that he's going as hard as he is. Yep. Dude, running off the fucking apron doing front flips and shit. That's like, a guy that knows he's living on borrowed time, so he's trying to get as much out of it as possible. Seriously. Yep. If And it's working for him. If he doesn't, not necessarily like, oh, he's got to get picked up by WWE now because he's a huge name. But if he doesn't get some sort of acknowledgement, I don't know what that really means, but... I want to see this guy now, like, on a grander scale. Yeah. Not so much, I guess, like, oh, big WrestleMania moment, but, like, I hope this guy's, like, earning his due, like, more than ever. Like, who would have thought this guy that got blackballed from, like, WWE would be the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight <laughs> Champion got at 54? Because yeah, he didn't want a job to Nash. To Nash, In, in his exactly. hometown, you know. I, yep. That's just unbelievable to me. Like, I think that's, that's truly, when we put... The bullshit that is wrestling and the, the, the silliness aside, like, that's legitimately, if I was one of the boys, I'd be like, good for him. Yep. Good for him. Like, that's what we all strive to do, and it doesn't matter. You know, DDP, I think, up to this point, was, like, the oldest world heavyweight champ. Yeah. I think. I don't know. But it's just, it's cool. And you can say the same, like, a guy like Cody Rhodes finally getting his due. You saw he was he was good in WWE, the dashing Cody Rhodes and all that stuff, the Stardust shit. I liked it. You could tell his heart wasn't in it, but I liked I it. Dusty. And uh, 
but to see what he's doing now, the quality of stuff that he's doing now, it, it's just it, they it just makes had you their, feel good. They just had their first steel cage match. Yep. I only I'll, just, I'll get you I, caught up on all that. Yeah, I, I only saw a thumbnail, so I didn't. I haven't seen any results of nothing. But the way they're building him and MJF, they're it's a drawn out thing. Right. It's you know, as mu as many things as I like to nitpick about AEW because there are a lot. Yeah, you can. You know, but I think they're going about a lot of it the right way. What they're focusing on is the right shit. Yep, for sure. Like even Kenny Omega, I figured he would have been the first world heavyweight champion. They would have pushed him to the moon. No, he's a tag champ with Adam Page right now. Right, they you know? they basically buried him for like a, the first like two pay per views yep. essentially. I think outside of Japan, he's he not just, a big he has, market. He has nothing. No, because he's and got he, that anime gimmick behind and him. And Jim Cornette made a great point. They have his entrance video where he's walking through Japan. Jim Cornette goes, "If he's just a star in, in Japan." Why isn't anybody paying a damn bit of attention to him on the streets of Japan? Right, they're just walk, like they're he's walking, a normal guy. Yeah, you know th that's a great fucking point. Right, why aren't you making him look like a rock <coughs> star? Yeah, opposed to he's just an average guy, and and not even that, but he's a white guy with blonde, curlyish hair. So if I was an Asian person, I'm like, oh, you know, he's done out. Yep. I shouldn't have probably said it like that. Like, <laughs> you know, whatever. But yeah, I, I see Corny's uh, his point. And, and there's a lot of things I disagree with Cornette on on the EW, but there's there are a lot of things that I do agree with him on. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a good point. Yeah, it, you know, and and that's the thing with Cornette is he comes up with great points, but then he just goes off against everything that AEW does. So the good points that he makes kind of gets lost in the, in shuffle, the shuffle sometimes, because because the fans that know that all he's going to do is bitch about AEW are not going to listen to the real points that he makes. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he does, and once he goes on a tangent, he doesn't just stop. It's like, we know he has no filter, but Jesus, it's just almost like there's no relevance to most of what he says. Yep. It's just thoughtless, provoked thoughts. Yep. Like, all right, well, this sounds good. I'll just say it, even though you know he does Like, one, that's not really your opinion. Two, you really don't believe that. You're just saying. Yep. You're just saying shit. Because, one, it sounds so outrageous. Two... It's just outrageous. And who yeah. doesn't want to listen to someone that's outrageous? But what woman in here? Oh, Tess Mocker. Should should we tell what how we met her? Yeah, sure. We can talk about we, some of our actual personal we, TNA stories. We went to a men's show at the Poughkeepsie. It was like just cars and sports, sports and stuff. And she was there. Yep. And she was doing a bikini photo op. Yep. You could get her just in her regular outfit, regular clothes, or you could get a mm. picture of her in her bikini. And we waited for the bikini photo op. Yes, we did. And when we were standing, she was kind of elevated on yeah, the stage. Yeah, she was on like a foot tall, two foot tall, like not ped Yeah, it was like a pedestal or just a platform. platform yeah. yeah. But when she took her robe off and well, that bikini, we were positioned, right? Her it ass was, was right. Well, in our it was face. weird how they did it because they had her say, "I'm her," and we're you know you're facing this way. The line was behind her. Behind and her, started yeah. right behind her. So she's standing up, and even if she wasn't in a bikini, her ass would just be eye level right, to you. Yeah, it as was. soon as she took her fucking her her um her robe off, there was nothing but a guardrail between yeah. my face and her ass. Yeah. And it, I mean, just like that, just like how that. I'll rewind it real quick. <laughs> no one else is going to see it except for Dave and I. It's going to be Gail Kim's ass. But that's how it's close basically it was. was just like that. Yep. 
You can really tell she's got a flat ass. <laughs> <laughs> but I like Gail Kim. I think she is sexy as hell. And my, my, my cousin commented on the photo when I first posted it. She was like, because Tess Bacher had a boob job. And she's like, those aren't real. And my comment was, I don't care. Right. <laughs> is it... I, I see this, and I, I don't... But how... What is it someone's goal... To, you see an attractive woman. Her boobs are fake. Okay. Right. I'm sorry? Right. I, but, and then you look at somebody like Stephanie McMahon who was self-conscious about herself and got the boob job to feel better about herself. Are you gonna are you gonna say, well, hers are fake? Well, yeah, it's because she didn't feel good about herself. So she it's not like a stripper that gets them just because she feels that, like she has like, to. Like why why is that someone's first reaction to just be yeah. well yeah, but they're fake? Okay. Yeah, so what? <laughs> so is it like ninety percent of my life? <laughs> but I'm pretty happy with yeah. it. Yeah. Like yep. They feel different. Okay, they're still boobs, and I still like them. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if they were small, I'd still appreciate them. Any girl that lets me touch their boobs, whether they're big boobs, little boobs, no boobs, or huge boobs, thanks. Yep. I'm not going to be like, well, she let me touch your boobs, and they were fake. How dare her? Ugh. My hands were deceived by silicone <laughs> instead I, of flash. I feel so let down and lied to. Because if that's the case, like, ladies... I'm gonna say it. My dick's fake. Touch it. You you be the judge. You know what I mean? I I just I've never because I I've seen that in like just every kind of medium of like anything of you post a picture, not even so much post it, but you're saying you go and meet someone or whatever. It's like yeah, but that was they're they're fake. So what? Yep. What the fuck does that matter? They're real right then and there. That's like the he's on steroids. Okay. So what? I mean, we, we talk about it. You can obviously tell when somebody's gassed. But Jinder Mahal comes back all gassed up. I didn't give two fucks about Jinder Mahal when he was, you know, flabby or whatever. So I don't fucking care that he's gassed. Right. You know what I mean? So, And it doesn't you know, really honestly even affect me. Yep. I'm not going to go up and want to touch his pecs. Yeah. Whether they're soft or hard. <laughs> I don't yep. give a fuck. But we were talking about, like, people, TNA stars that we've met. That's what one thing I loved about TNA was... They could do indie dates. Yeah, you know what I mean. A lot of the WWE guys that we've met were signed we, on. And yeah, couldn't... and we haven't. We weren't really able to meet them until after they got released. Mm -hmm. At least with the TNA ones, they would go to Northeast Wrestling and they would wrestle, and they would still do the meet and greet too. Yeah, we met yeah. a lot of a lot of the TNA guys, and like you know, like you said, the beginning of the show, I got to go backstage at a TNA show uh, one time because it was literally like the day before my birthday, and we had only known. Or I knew they were going to bring people backstage because at the previous show we went to, they brought people backstage. So I brought a sign that said, bring me backstage. It's my birthday. And they did. And I got my a little uh, VIP sticker signed to go backstage. And JB signed it, which I have it somewhere. And then in my room, all I had to get signed was a Hulk Hogan shirt. And I think... Earl Hebner signed it. Brian Hebner signed it. Gunner Murphy. And even though it's Gunner and Murphy, Rain, even though it's Gunner and Murphy, it's still cool still to go cool. backstage and meet them. It, it was really still cool. it was cool because when we went backstage, it wasn't like oh they went in the locker room or anything. It was like all right, they knew they were gonna have people come backstage. So it was literally as soon as you went behind the curtain, they just had them like corralled in like this yeah. little area, and it was all free range. It wasn't like. Wait your turn. It was like, oh, nope, you guys are backstage. Congratulations. Uh, you guys can go meet the wrestlers, get a picture, get something signed, and then head back out. 
okay, that's cool as fuck. Yep. Like, that's cool as shit. And, and they were one of the most fan-friendly yeah. promotions. Every time, every time during intermission and after the show, they had the wrestlers come out yep. and do autographs. I got my book almost filled yeah. by these guys. And I even think- Simon Diamond. We were chanting for him the whole fucking show. Simon! And he came around and signed stuff and, and, you know, talked to us. Pretty sweet. You know. To get to meet an ECW original. As it, what was he? um, An agent, right? He's a talent agent. So it was kind of sweet to to be able to have that moment. And and it's not like you could do that at a WWE house show with Byron Saxton. And say, hey, Byron, and he'd come over after the show. They ain't going to do that. He's got to right. get to the next fucking Right, because he even you know? did say to us, because I did keep screaming his name a lot. Yep. He did say, I'll come over. I'll yep. be there. And he did. He yep. did. He came right back over and signed autographs for us, which was cool. Yep. Um, I remember being at one of the TNA shows. We were front row, and Booker T was wrestling AJ Styles and Samoa Joe in a triple threat elimination match for the world championship. And uh, he came right over to where we were. I had my hand out. I thought he was going to slap my hand. We were going to have like this cool fucking moment. <laughs> but he didn't. Um, but he slapped the hands and like kissed a little handicapped girl, which I thought was pretty cool. I think that's the one where my foot was broken and I couldn't get in the ring. Yeah. I think, I think that's the one. Yeah, because yeah, all three of the shows we went to, there was uh, the one. I don't remember what the main event one was there, but Kurt Angle. James Storm and Bobby Roode we got in the ring with. Yeah, that's the one I was in the ring with, yeah. And then there was AJ Styles as the world champion. Yeah, I got in that one too. So it was the Samoa Joe one. Samoa yep. Joe one. Yep. Like, that's pretty sweet Like to think about. Like, I have a picture with Samoa Joe and AJ Styles as the world heavyweight champs. Yep. That's in your Prince Justice Brotherhood shirt. Which in my loves. Prince Justice Brotherhood <laughs> shirt, which I do <laughs> And then my other one, I'm dressed like Mick Foley. And then the other one, I'm wearing my Hulk Hogan shirt. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to mention was I made a sign for Christy Hemi yep. at one of the shows. I thought shows. you were going to mention this earlier. The I want to be infected by Christy Hemi when she had the you know the uh, the rock and rave, the rock and rave infection. infection. <laughs> and she acknowledged it when she was in the ring, and then she signed it after the show. Yep. Which I had it on my wall, and I don't know what like there was moisture in it. It kind of messed messed up the sign, but I cut out the autograph at least and got okay. that off of there. Cool. But I still have that, but. To know that that happened was was actually a really yeah. cool, you know. And again, like you said, that's not going to happen at WWE shows. Yeah. Maybe, you know, if you're lucky enough and you're holding your your program out there and you got the marker, they're signing it as they're walking away. But to know, she knew, like, all right, that guy has a sign. We're at a house show. Like, all right, maybe at some point I'll go out and sign it. And if I don't, oh well, I didn't. But she did, which yep. was cool. Like, it just, I do, I I loved TNA for its fan friendly. Shit, like even when we met James Storm. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, we don't have the pictures for it anymore, but we got to meet James Storm right outside the Glens Falls Civic Center, which yeah. was really cool. Yep. And it wasn't one at a TNA show, but the first un- Wrestling Under the Stars when Angelina Love took my beautiful people sign into the mm-hmm. ring and, and showed it. I thought that, I mean, it wasn't a TNA show, but she was a TNA star, so it, it fits. It just. Those interactions with, with guys and girls from TNA at, at shows has just been some of the best times. It really has. It really has. And it makes sense why you would say, other than like CTWE, why TNA is like right up there. Because not only did you get good product, you got good talent. You got talent that actually wanted to make this company the best it could be without being WWE. Yep. 
You got great fan interaction, and it just it was everything it should have been. And the match quality was always consistent. Yep. They had a few stinkers in there with you know certain gimmick matches and stuff, but most of the matches were consistently good. They were, especially the X Division, and you know, yeah. I can't say anything really bad about TNA. There's there's things I can nitpick, but... Well, if we go into the later years, we could really talk shit. Yeah, yeah. But then my knowledge of it depletes because right. I don't... But even, even 2012, 2013, it was still... They were still having it was, consistent right. stuff. They had a little bit of a stride, but you could tell things were yeah. slowly coming undone. And, and a lot of that was Spike TV was kind of washing their hands of it at that point, so you didn't have momentum behind it. And it, it personally, for me, it really... You could tell, you could see the cracks in the foundation when the legitimate AJ Styles stuff was coming through. Yeah. Like where, where you knew he was leaving. It, it, yes, they were still promoting it as storylines and shit, but you just knew. It's like, all right, he hasn't wrestled in a while. You're not even seeing him. And at that point, you knew that there was shit going on yes. backstage because somebody like him was leaving. Exactly. Who had a chance to, who could have had chances to leave a long time ago. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's really when it started to come unraveled. Yep. And and you could tell that Samoa Joe was unhappy, but I think he figured WWE wasn't going to take him, so he just stuck it out. Right, because how know? many times are you going to be told you're too fat or whatever the hell yep. the excuse is? But then see people like Viscera or Umaga. Yeah, or Earthquake, Earthquake or Typhoon. You know, yeah, maybe you know these guys are pre or predecessors, but still the same idea of like, oh, Jesus Christ. You built a company on, like, fat dudes, like, through the 80s. You fed them to Hogan for years. Right. I mean, who the fuck was King Kong Bundy other than a big fat dude? Yep. I mean... And couldn't have the match quality that Samoa Joe can. No. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ, that that steel cage match wasn't anything outstanding. It was the hype, the look, yep. the intensity and, that and built that, that match. Yeah. And that's mostly what Hogan's whole run was. Right. Build up for everything. Yup. And the match became secondary. Except for when he knew he was going to step in the ring with the macho. And that's man. only because of Macho Man being the perfectionist. Exactly. Yep. And speaking of Macho Man, he had his last wrestling match in TNA. This is true in 04, right? Yep. Yes, this is when true. When he teamed with AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy in a six-man tag. Mm. I mean, he was only in the match for like two minutes, but still, tag me in, you know, tag me out. <laughs> to know that that was his last match was in TNA I and just not picture WWE. His big muscles. <laughs> <laughs> tag me in. Yep. We're, we're in the cowboy hat and all black. Yep. And <laughs> yeah, he, nah. Here's your Joseph Parks. <laughs> oh, Matt Morgan. Matt Morgan. That's we got, let's we get that. About. Let's mention him real quick. I just never was high on him. I like Matt Morgan because he's a big, athletic guy. But his personality, no matter what storyline with who, always came through as an arrogant, I'm yeah. better than you, yep. and I deserve more. Yep. And I never fucking cared and for And you know that. what I think that is? Because Cornette was so behind him that he pumped his ego up so much. You're a big dude. They're going to love you. You're going to yep. go in there and beat all the black guys. And he, <laughs> Right? Is that yeah, probably what he said? Probably. Not maybe, yeah. <laughs> and, and even when he went to WWE and they still didn't push him, and then Cornette kind of brought him into TNA. You know Cornette was still pumping him up. And it just, yeah, you're, like you said, he seemed like just an arrogant asshole. When we yeah. met him, he was nice as shit. Yep. So I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to discredit the human being, but, but wrestling-wise, yeah. yeah, it always yep. just came across as ego-driven. Even when Hogan pushed him and he was wearing, like, the Thunder Lips kind of cape yep. and shit, it was like, 
this gimmick suits you. Because I really feel like this is who you are. And it's too little too late at this point. Right. Yep. Like the DNA of TNA never, it, that just never fit you. S same with like, he, he reminded me of Lance Hoyt. Like the crowd was behind him, but I never fucking understood why. I, and you, you know, know what's what I mean? crazy? This is weird. Because when he was Lance Hoyt, he was at the, the peak of his career, yep. right? With, and I only say that because when he went and became Vance Archer, you just, it just, why? Yep. But when he came to WWE and he became Vance Archer and he wrestled, I, mean, I don't know, maybe like two months, I was so behind him. So on board with that because it was like, maybe that's what this guy needed for me to get behind him. Yeah. Was this new look. And he was winning. Like they didn't, they weren't jobbing him out at first. Yeah. And then it was like he was there and then he just wasn't. They did a lot of that with the ECW guys. Like Weird. Just, yeah. Because yep. he was even in one of the games. And when I was playing online, this was years ago now. But when I was playing online in our online league, that was one of my characters I played as was Vance Archer. Yeah. Because I was like, he's just, he's, he had the moveset of JBL because he was a big guy. I think his finisher was the like a big fall away slam and shit. And I, I was so on board with this guy becoming like, all right, yeah, sure, let's get behind him. He could be like a Snitsky character where he's yeah. big, dominating. I don't know what they'll do with him, but. Yeah. Just, you seem like the kind of guy that Vince would be all into, just a tall, you know, athletic guy. But the, but to what I, my kind of my point, I didn't care for him when he was in TNA, really, as yep. Lance Hoyt. But then when you go to WWE and you're a nobody named Vance Archer, when that's when I finally care about you. It's weird. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yep. But they they had they had a stacked talent roster and they just kept and and the guys that they plucked from WWE fit to me. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't go for. They didn't try to get huge names like a John Cena. Not that Cena would have left. But they went for Kurt Angle and Christian and Booker T. Yes, he was a big name. But and Mick Foley. Yeah. Somebody that WWE wasn't going to do anything like that with. Yep. And then you bring Mick Foley into TNA. You have him work with new young guys, new old guys. Everything is new and fresh. And he's still able to give you a little bit of that old school Mick Foley. I think he I was all in at the beginning, yeah. but then once the backstage shit started, you know, materializing, he seems like the kind of guy that once the politics starts, he's out. He's, he's done. Exactly. He's he done. just wants it to be simple and fluent. And then once the politics come in and you're cutting corners and you're pushing this guy out of the way to do this thing, I feel like he is so like passive aggressive in that moment yep. of like, I don't want to get my hands dirty, but... I don't even know. Maybe not even passive-aggressive, just passive. Because you could see the shit with JB, the backstage stuff, the tweak and tweak, all that oh stuff. Oh, my God, I loved that, it. He was having fun, but then you could just see that switch. I wanted you know? that picture they had so bad, like that oil painting that yeah. they had of those two. Yep. Oh, I wish they would have made that as a shirt or something. I loved it. When they had it as a trading card, I got excited. I hated JB as a ring announcer, but he had range when he was when he was doing the backstage stuff. Like I've with Kurt Angle. JB. The stuff that he would do with the main event mafia and shit, or Karen Angle, mm -hmm. just the, Karen, the Karen, Karen, can I, get, Karen, can I get a word with you, Karen? Yeah. It was just, it was, and he would follow around Kurt yeah. Angle like a puppy dog. Yep. That shit was great. Kurt, 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 can you talk to me, Kurt? I, I love JBL or not JBL. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, you do. I but, do. <laughs> but JB in any facet, I, I think he's what Josh Matthews always wanted to be or or he's what he's what 
Michael Cole should have been. The twerpy little dipshit that was annoying because that was his character. Yeah. Not because that was his personality. Like, JB is kind of like the whiny, sniveling announcer guy, but then he's, he's got a backbone too, right? Yep. Michael Cole, again, he's just like a twerp. Like, I don't take you serious. And nothing that you do, I, I don't look at you as a full-grown man. <laughs> I look at you as like a kid. Yep. It's weird. I just... And, and that's, to me, what announcers are supposed to be. Not the kid thing, but they're not supposed to be the guys that are intimidating... But when they do push back, it's like, oh, shit, you got a little bit of bite to you, right? Like, I love that stuff. I mean, a quick example, a best example is Mean Gene Okerlund, right? Yep. Always happy-go-lucky, but quick. Yep. Quick with a comeback or snarky. But then when you saw that one uh, promo, I don't even remember who the hell he was talking to, and he's like, hey, put that damn cigarette out. It's like, oh shit, there's yep. a different side to Mean Gene right there. Yeah, you, and nobody fucked with him. No. Nobody ever fucked with him. But if Michael Cole did something like that, if he was in the middle of an interview and he said, hey, put that damn cigarette out, no one would take it serious. No yep. one. And I'm sure someone, whether they put that cigarette out with Mean Gene there or not, I'm sure it was like, oh shit, we kind of just pissed him off a little bit. And he didn't break. He just did it and then went right what, back to what he was right, doing. Right, exactly. Michael like, Cole would have like, had a deer in a headlights look and, and wouldn't have known what to do. Yeah, and JB is like that, to me, is like that mean gene. Yeah. Is he was that. Of Ew! Ew, I don't think I've ever seen this. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> did you ever, have you ever seen this? Yeah, yeah, where he's spitting this face. Oh, man, he like... Oh, that was... Ew! Yeah. Normally, like, they spit downwards. That's like Carlito spitting the apple in his face. Like, Ew, it had that look to it. that yeah. was gross, yeah. man. That spray. <laughs> sorry about that, folks. <laughs> He really came into his own with the Bully Ray character. And then being able to do shit like this with a character like Abyss, being able to be aggressive and be bullyish, And to know enough to still make the Joseph Park character to sell something. Him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. He, he, Bubba does not get the credit that he deserves for the amount of talent and just mind for the business that he has. And you know what's unbelievable? When he left TNA and he came back to WWE, he looked like a whole different person again. Yeah. Yep. Like, clearly he was working his ass off to get to this spot, to get to the world championship. But then once he went to WWE, he realized, you know what? I'm pretty much done wrestling. And he just wasn't as fit. Yep. Was not as put together. And he didn't look right in the no, Dudley gear. he didn't. He didn't look right at all. Not at all. Nope. And I don't know if it's because we haven't seen him in it in over a decade, but it just, it looked... It, it might be because you saw him in the Team 3D stuff for And then you saw so him long. for this for yeah. like two, three years. Yeah. You didn't know him anymore as Bubba Ray. You knew him as Bully. Yep. And um, I think having Devon not come in right away too, kind of... That was it weird. Was, yeah, it, it made it weird. It really I wouldn't did. even even... I wouldn't even come in yep. at that Rumble. I would have been like, no, I'll wait till Devon comes in. And we'll come in together at the same time. Or he's this number, I'm this number. Especially when you did the 3D with Truth. With Truth. Had, yeah, that, that made it that weird it a lot. Because And at that point, you should have come in as Bully Ray. Yep. The solo guy. Like, even if you weren't, you couldn't use the name Bully Ray, come in as that version of Bubba then. Or okay. not as the, D, the Dudley Boy Bubba. Or you could have done that and then have him... Do the shove to, to truth, 
and pull out the glasses from the Bully Ray outfit. Right. And then you could elude that Devon's coming in. Right. But to go full on Dudley's at the beginning. By yourself. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That doesn't make any sense unless yeah. you're Spike. Yep. Legitimately. Like, even having Spike come in would have been. Yeah. Would have been, been awesome. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I, I did love all of this. I really did. Because Dudley Boys will always and forever be my favorite tag team. And to see, speaking just tag team, to see someone, whatever which one it is, out, the two guys out of your favorite tag team go on and get a really good singles push and then eventually become the world champion. It's almost like, wow, that shouldn't have happened. You're a tag team guy. Yep. Like imagine your favorite tag team, Demolition, right? Imagine Axe or Smash going on, feuding with Hogan for the whole summer. And then by the end of, you know, like for SummerSlam, it was him and Hogan for the title. Yeah. And completely reinventing himself along the way. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, yep. yeah totally. It's like, that. that shouldn't have happened, but it did, and it worked, and that's so cool. Yeah. Just pretty sweet. Like, And they were they were consistent in TNA. They were having good matches. They you know. And I don't give a fuck what Cornette says. I absolutely love any of their fish market street fights. Yeah, I was going to mention that too, yep. I love those, dude. When Bubba's picking up the fish and he's talking to it and shit, and he's just throwing them at TNA, he's throwing them out in the crowd. How do you not get more excited for a wrestling match? I'm not, I'm not saying traditional, so yeah. Corny, hold off there. But how do you not get excited for that? Your crowd is into it. It's a fucking energetic environment. Yeah. And and when Cornette came from a promotion right. that in Memphis right. that did concession stand fights where they used mustard and shit. Exactly. To not appreciate something like that. Or Andy Kaufman coming in to, to feud with Jerry Lawler. Right. You can hold that in such high esteem, but for something that's entertainment value like that, and it's getting everyone over. It's yep. not burying anybody because it's not like that. I don't think the dog collar match buried any of those people. I mean, it might have in the moment, might have soured on some of them, but they all still withheld their names. Big Boss Man, Al Snow, or whoever the fuck was all involved in it all. Um, but like the fish market matches, I've never hurt anybody's career. Those tag teams or the whatever all still went on to maintain their... Yep. Shark Boy was a cult favorite. Curry Man was definitely a favorite of that crowd. Especially when I found out that was fucking Christopher Daniels. Yep. I was like, oh my god. And I then you knew he more. was having fun. Like, you knew that he was having he was the hot. time of his life doing He's that. He's spicy! <laughs> I loved all yep. of it. I, I really did. One thing I wanted to say, suicide. That's a gimmick I didn't think was going to work from the beginning. I didn't think it was and, ever going to And they ran with it, and I thought it was a really good thing. I think that's genius how they did it, making yep. it a, a video game character, um, which even in the game, I played it, played the whole storyline. You never see who his face is, so there's, there's still that mystique of like, well, in the game it was homicide or, or whatever, you know, something yeah. stupid like that. I don't know. Um... But I just didn't think that would ever be a thing. Like, why not, though? Yeah, like his matches with Pope were really good, and the Pretty X Division cool. matches were good. I wish yeah. I got the action figure yeah. of him. And to know it was Daniels at one point, and yeah. then Kazarian at one point, I, I thought that was really cool. Yep. And when Kazarian did it, you could tell. The body he was doing, he was, And he was doing some of his signature moves. When it was Daniels, Daniels was doing everything he could 
to not make it look like him. Right. He was doing all kinds of shit different. Well, that's the thing. The, the body type with Daniels. He has a very specifically built torso. Yep. And that's when I finally, like, found out that he was Curry Man. It was like, oh, my God, yes. Yep. I see the body build. So then that just carried over because it was the same style of suit almost, other yep. than it being, like, rubber. Yeah. It was the full body suit. And he's... He just, I'm not saying I knew the one was Kaz at all. I, I don't think I did for the longest time. But I did know instantly. It was like, that's that's Christopher Daniels' body type. But he did everything he could to make it look Even like Even for Curry Man, he did the same yep. thing. Whole different moveset. Yep. I mean, but then he's got like his American, I don't know if there's a traditional name, but for how he wrestled in TNA and then his Japanese style, which yep. was so easy to be able to flip-flop yep. the two. But yeah, the suicide, uh, suicide character was pretty cool. And then that's one of, one of the other things I like. They had different things like that. Yep. It, it just it, it was such a good promotion. And, it is. And to see what it's become now and people shitting on it, fine, you want to shit on the current product, but don't shit on what it used to be. Yeah, exactly. Because what it used to be was fucking amazing. Yep. You know, to, to be the number two company, to be around longer than the Ted Turner-owned WCW... Yes, them going head-to-head -head didn't last, and it, it was a bad idea. But for them to be the alternative that they were, you shouldn't be shit. Was that really Abyss? How did he switch out that quick? I don't know. That couldn't have been Abyss. I, I, I don't think it was. I think they just had some big guy. Yeah, because there's no way he could have changed into that uh, in and out of that outfit that quick. Right. That's clearly... why they're not showing him on the hard camera. Yeah, that's definitely not. <laughs> that might have been like Mike Knox or somebody like that, or you right. know what I mean? Because he had kind of the same build and everything. So, hmm. I always wanted a Abyss action figure. I really did when Jack Specific took over for yep. for their figures. And that's another thing. Like they had action figures in a fucking video yep. game. Ring yep. of Honor's been around longer, but yeah, they have, well, they have their ringside, you know, their internet exclusive ones. The TNA ones were in the fucking stores, you know. The Ring of Honor toys are in stores. I mean, I, not like Walmart and shit. They're in the, like, hobby shops and stuff like yeah. that. But, like, their, their DVDs, they had the, the one little set of Ring of Honor mm -hmm. DVDs that were in stores. But TNA, all their shit all was in the that, stores. Yep. So they were mainstream and... The, the talent that they had, I, I love this stuff. I yep. really do. And to go back and actually to have watching it while we're we're talking about it is actually really cool. It is nice because I like having the visuals on there. Just, I don't know, I just like having a visual going in the background. It kind of gives like, like there's a third party here, like there's another yep. energy. And then it just kind of can fall back onto it if it's like, oh shit, wait a minute, I don't remember this happening. Or for me, I've never, I mean, I have watched a lot of, TNA television for so many years I was consistent with it but that doesn't mean I watched every single pay-per-view yep. and I have a good amount of the DVDs I do I have a, for my collection I have a pretty good amount of them I'm yeah I think I have mine. most of the early pay-per-views like 2010 2011 I think I'm missing a few of those and a little after but most of the stuff 05 06 07 08 09 I have 
I think all of them. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. And it's fun to pull those out and watch them. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not watching any of the buildup, their pay-per-views stand alone no matter which one you grab. It's true. You know? I think it's really cool. Um, we're going past the 10-year mark, but when they brought EV2 in. Yeah. I don't like that name at all. But I like that they did Hardcore Justice. Yep. Um, and they let those guys basically have a better... I don't know if it was a better one-night stand. It was just a different version of yeah. it. But it was so cool just to be able to... Take, for me, ECW is my favorite, so it was just... It's like, oh, nice. I got an ECW send-off over here and one over here. And plus you had guys like Simon Diamond involved and Raven. Yep. Guys that weren't in Johnny Swinger. Stand. Yeah. Um, Even though say Tracy Smothers I, I was kind of pissed that they did the, uh, like they had Blue Tilly and they had the, you know, I can't even think of the guy's name, play uh, Lupus and all that stuff. Like yeah. that, that kind of, like you didn't need to do that. Like, you had the video of Blue Meanie saying his thank yous. Mm -hmm. You didn't need to do that other shit. Yeah. Just to have just, one with Stevie Richards, you know. It just looks stupid, too. Yep. It looked really dumb. Um, but, yeah, I, I just thought that was really cool when they did all that, that shit. I was thinking about. And they kept a lot of them around for a while, too. I like the Dr. Stevie thing. I yep. thought that was a cool way to bring him in without being like, oh, here's Steven Richards. Yep. It's like, oh, no, Stevie Richards. Like, oh, he's a doctor. Well, that's weird. And it fit with Abyss. It was just exactly. weird and it fit, you know? And even with Daphne coming in as part of that, I thought was really cool. Yeah. I liked all of it. I'm JB and back to you, Mike Tenay. My head looks really fucking weird. It looks like an owl. <laughs> I wish they would have released this music, though. I, I, I can't believe they never have. That's yeah. Weird. They released the Immortal music, but not this one. It's so fun. It's so weird to see Hogan. Not WWE. Like, he's been back and forth and all this shit. And I like the, that he had different merchandise, too. It wasn't all the red and yellow, too. He had the kind of like this with the tribal kind of look to it and stuff. But he's a merchandise whore. He'll put his name on. I liked. I, I I did like a lot of his TNA stuff. I liked the um, the chain shirt the yeah. most. Though I thought that one was really cool. But I mean, I, Jesus, I just saw they had him on SmackDown via, or maybe it was Raw, via satellite, um, arguing with Bray Wyatt. Yeah, like, I think he's going to be at the the Saudi Arabia show because you know that money, you know. But. Well, good. Now when he says the N-word, he can put sand in front of it and offend a whole other fucking group of people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the one where, because Ric Flair was, they wanted Ric for Flair the for the Hall of Fame, so they, they made a trade, and she picked Christian. Like, I get that she liked Christian, but you could have picked anybody off the fucking WWE roster, and you picked Christian. Well, I, I like Pritchard even said, they wouldn't have gotten the names that people are thinking of like Cena no but so who would you have gotten that would have uh, yeah you know what I mean like yeah in that sense if you're not going to be able to get the biggest names then why go for just any name go for the one that makes sense to you yeah because I th I used to think the same thing when I heard like when I because I, I remember seeing video packages that Christian was on their 10 year anniversary and I was always thinking like how does that make sense? He was with WWE, and then when I found out the whole situation, because my thought was like, well, why wouldn't you like say you want someone like Cena or The Rock or Triple H even? 
It's like, well, because you're going to get told no on those ones. Yep. And also, it got the whole Vince is buying the company's talk started, too. Right. You know, with Christian showing up and Flair being on the Hall of Fame. Oh, yep. he's buying it. You know? Yep. yep. I mean, this, this is great fanfare service right here. Right. So, Captain Charisma. <laughs> or Creepy Little Bastard. <laughs> I don't know what else to. I think we've I, covered pretty much. I think so. I mean, other than nods, other nods and ends, I'm really. Just gonna you keep know. running in circles. <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed talking about this because there was just so much that we loved about the company. So I'm I'm real happy we covered this one. And I'm glad you like the microphone. <laughs> That's all I got to say. That's all you got. Well, I guess on that note, this is the season premiere of season two of the Comic Wrestling Podcast with the Wrestling Ring. Do you have any idea of what we're doing for the next comic shop? Yeah, I want to plug a couple of things, actually. Right. Um, March 8th, I've said it before, we are going to Colony Center to meet a bunch of wrestlers. I have my list. I'm sure Deadly Dave will have his list. Um, so we'll be there. I think that's going to be kind of fun. And then March 21st, it's getting, oh, it's, a, little, yep. it's getting a little bit closer. I'm going to start plugging it now. Um, the Awakening, it is a Scott Wilder promotion. Yep, he's do, he's running the whole ship. So. Um, wrestling company. I don't know if it's a company or just a show. But there's going to be a plethora of talent there between um, indie guys Former WWE guys with the Ascension, Tony Atlas, Tony Atlas, the, the Wild, Wild Samoans, Samoans. Yep. Um, Bull Dempsey from NXT is going to be there. Uh, Shane Taylor from Ring of Honor is going to be there. So we are going to be there. We're, we're actually be advertised there. to yep. be there, which is kind of cool. Um, we'll have a table selling some stuff and handing out flyers, and and we might even yeah. do an interview or two. I, I hope so. I, I definitely want to. Um, other than that. I feel like there was something else. What? Oh, the for the next comic shop. Doi! <laughs> so yeah, for the next comic shop episode, it is going to be um, the Kevin Smith All right. I like world it. or whatever. Um, I'm going to talk about his movies, some experiences we've had with a couple of the people. And one that we're going to have. And one that we'll have because we've talked about it before. Um, the Saratoga Comic Con is May 7th. Something like that. Something like that. It's, it's in May. It's in Saratoga um, at their Saratoga City Center. They're going to have a couple different celebrities there, you know, C-list style. Kevin Sorbo is going to be there, which I'm kind of excited yeah, for. I'm That's Hercules. That. I'd like to meet him. Um, but then they just announced Jeff Anderson, whose claim to fame is Randall Graves yeah. from the Kevin Smith universe. And he hasn't been doing much at all lately. So. No, and it... And I mentioned this now. We'll talk about it more when we do the yeah. extra episode. But it says on there that he is going to be in the Clerks 3 movie in Clerks TV show or animated show or something like that. But I have to be honest. I don't know how much I believe Kevin Smith to making that movie or show. Only because, and like I said, we'll get into this when we do the actual show. But Jay and Silent Bob reboot was not anything to brag about. No. Right? Not even close. 
Who was not in that movie? Jeff Anderson. Jeff Anderson was not in that movie. He has expressed before that he does not want to keep reprising the, the role of Randall Graves. That's why in Zack and Mary Make a Porno, he was in that as a completely different type of character. Um, they keep talking about Clerks 3, though. They do. He's, he's, they do. Yeah. I give that the benefit of the doubt. Yep. But who's backing you? And I'm, again, I'm only saying this is a movie person. The last one you did was not that great. If I was a movie company, you used to have Miramax behind you, right? Yeah. And now Harvey Weinstein, that whole thing, you're not really working with them anymore. So I don't really even know who the hell is behind the new Jane Silent Bob movie. Didn't do that great. So who's going to back that? Are you paying for this out of pocket? Is this going to be just a Kevin Smith 100% run production? Because if that's the case, I do not have a lot of faith in that. Yeah. Only because you were running on nostalgia with Jane Silent Bob reboot. Yeah. And, and cameos. And, yeah. And your daughter, which if she's in this Jesus one, Christ. she's she was, fucking horrible. She is awful. Yep. Awful. She is literally the single worst part of that entire movie. And unfortunately, she is in it from like the halfway point to the end. Yeah. Yep. I just could not stand her. I think she is a terrible actress and god awful looking. And to know that Tarantino wanted him, her for him, wanted her for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, that he actually thought she was good enough to be in that blows my fucking mind. Yep. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that'll be the that'll be a fun episode, I think, because yeah. there's... I mean, other than Chasing Amy, I've seen, like, every Kevin Smith movie. Um, and I, I did like, though, in the movie that they acknowledged... Uh, oh, fuck. What, what the hell was it? Cop Out. Yeah. I did think that was kind of funny. I think that's an hysterical movie. That's a great movie. They talk about that movie in a bad light, though, because it wasn't financially that great. And, and Kevin Smith didn't like the experience because of Bruce Willis. Really? Oh, yeah. Bruce Willis was an asshole during the making of that movie. Which is crazy when you watch it, because it's like, this movie's fucking hysterical. Yep. Like, hey, stare at Rickle. Don't do it, Jim. Don't, yep. Don't do it, Jim, why did you do it, Jim? We, we could do a whole episode on that movie. Oh my god, that movie is fucking hysterical. Yep. Now, did you ever see Zack and Mary make a porno? I haven't seen You it. have to. I know you I'll, don't like your Seth Rogen. I'll, 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 Put it to the I'll side. download it and I'll watch it before we do it. Because it, it's fucking funny. Because yep. even in the beginning of the new Jane Silent Bob movie, when Brandon Long is in it, yep. they never say what his name is. But that character is in Zack and Mary. Yeah, I remember Porno. Kevin hearing Kevin Smith say that he reprised the character. Yeah, character. which when you see him in Zack and Mary make a porno, it does make that appearance in Jane Silent Bob even more funnier because yeah. it's like uh, this character is just ridiculous. I just don't. I don't like Seth Rogen. I just don't. I love I, Seth Rogen. I, Maybe because it's like I like smoke pot and I can relate to him, but <laughs> his laugh makes me want to like, it makes me want to stab my eardrums. It really does. I can't do a bad. It's, laugh it's just like, like such a nervous laugh. It's not an actual laugh to me. I and love it. it. <laughs> I, I really do. I really do because I don't even when I hear him talk, I don't even picture his face. I just picture like a goofy animated <laughs> character. But. Yeah, I'll definitely watch that. That'll it. definitely be the next comic shop. Right. So that'll be the first comic shop of season deals. I like it. I like it a lot.
Well, this has been this has been one of my favorites because I, I love talking about TNA, and we've been talking about it for over two hours. Well, when it comes to wrestling, you're pretty <laughs> much it's pretty much your niche. It is. Um. So we'll see from 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 now on where we go. Yeah. So thank you once again. If you've stuck with us this long, we've got a lot coming in this this season. We're going to be branching out, doing a lot more stuff. So. Yep. And I want to the bear. This is the. All right, first and foremost, I am Ace Williams, the wild card. I want to say thank you for joining us. Um, I want to say that because the very last thing I want to say is I'm giving a special shout-out to my friend Frisco Russo. I don't know if you will hear this, but the last thing I say on this podcast will be, Frisco, you are a cunt. I, I don't know how to end any better than that, so thanks for joining us once again. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Looks like I done crossed the line.